The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello and welcome, oh no, welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. There we go, do that, and I am your host, Roddy Katz, and you can find me at Roddy Katz on... Uh-oh. Okay. Okay, anyway. We'll let that do, do its thing. Um, oh, yeah, it got back to... Perfectly. Hey. Anyway, I am your host, Roddy Katz. You can find me at Roddy Katz on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, the sound effects that you have heard have been provided by one, uh, our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, What's up everybody? Although I am not in Brooklyn as we speak. Exactly. But he still, he still represents. Still in New York. Yes. Still in New York. Step represents BK to the fullest. There you go. Um, not with us tonight, which I did say I was going to probably stop doing this after a while, but whatever. Um, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, uh, pop culture network on Twitter, pop culture, excuse me, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com and all those umbrella sites there. And also, uh, bite the vine replacement and as a comic book reviews. And also, no, not here tonight is uh, Tim D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account, The Click Nation on Twitter, theclicknation.com, that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Also, uh, Comic Book Resources, where he's over there writing his face off. That's right. We may end up pushing their info to the end of the show since they're not, they haven't come on the show in a while. You know, although Doug has been more recently, PCN underscore Dirt has more recently, far more recently than Tim Dog. <laughs> well, yeah, this is true. So we'll we'll see about that. But you know, we'll probably just push them to the end of the show just so that we get their plugs in. Yeah, maybe. Um, but you can find this here program at the Coles Leather Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find this here uh, program on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, and the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. So, um, yeah, folks, we are back again. No new, well, let me phrase that. So, comics are still starting to kind of filter out, but Today, to the, this week's uh, crop is not much to go on. It's mostly like collections and stuff, and so there wasn't really much that uh, we were inclined to read. 
Right, at least Marvel-wise, in terms of my own personal pull list, I did have one new book come out from IDW, and that is Walter Simonson's Ragnarok. So I did have that one book come out, but otherwise, you know, I'm not pulling uh, really any DC at this point. Then in terms of indie stuff, Ragnarok did come out for me, but uh, it's slim pickings out there this week, folks. Yeah, and I honestly totally forgot to check because there's probably is something out there that I would have read um, from Image or somebody, but I just didn't check to be if I'm being honest. So, yep, because I didn't really see much for the for from the big two, and it's like, well, I don't know what what else. I know the the other books I'm reading just kind of in various states. So. No, absolutely, absolutely, and it's a it's it's still a tough time to be out there trying to figure out. What you know? What to do comic book wise? You know, like I still haven't gotten my books from last week, so it's it's tough right now. You know, there were some you know uh, Marvel digital books. It's not much. Um, DC had a few books out this week. There is a GI Joe out this week. Um, you know, from uh, was IDW's doing GI Joe now? Oh yeah. wait, yeah. And, oh uh, wait, because there was one from last week, so that means they put another one. So because I'm reading GI Joe, but yeah, I didn't know they put another one out this week. It was the real American hero. That's oh, the, the continuation Larry Hama one. Okay. of the old, right? The, the, yeah, exactly. It's the Larry Hama continuation of the old series. So uh, yeah, there's a few books for us to take a look at, but it's the the, the pickings are pretty slim for this week. So, anyway, so that means we are discussing something else. This is these. And, yes, I am excited about this because this is probably one of my the, – the starting of one of my all-time favorite groups. Um, actually, my favorite group in Marvel, period, the West Coast Avengers. We will be doing tonight the 1984 uh, miniseries, the West Coast Avengers, that led into the ongoing series the next, uh, next year. And like I said, I'm excited about this because like I said, any chance I get to read this is is, is always good to, for me because like I said, my favorite group. I love the Wackos. As they I was about to say, shout out to uh, Marvel Unlimited, even though we are not sponsored by Marvel or Marvel Unlimited. This is the way that folks like me who do not own these issues uh, are able to uh read this of many many moons later after their initial publication so uh that you know it's a good thing that uh i finally sprung for a marvel unlimited <laughs> yeah as, as we've said uh, before it is a quite useful tool even if you do have the books um mm-hmm. around you because goodness I've- knows i'm like if you're like me, I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like going and trying to pull out my books. Even if I can find my books, I still can't at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping they're where I'm, that I hope they are. Um, but that being said, I don't want to just have to keep going and pulling them out, even though it'd be fun to do. Sure, sure, sure. So that means this week we will be starting with, can I jump to the news? Uh, yes, I'm kind of stalling a little bit, but yes. So yes, we will be starting off with the news. And as we do um, about this time, we're going to be starting off with the uh, cinematic news. Uh, first up, Marvel Superfan maps out. Let me move Agent 70's uh, thing out of the way so that y'all don't see that. Marvel Superfan maps out chronological order for every single scene in the MCU. 
So a dedicated Marvel superfan has shared a comprehensive list of every single MCU scene arranged in chronological order. Uh, Disney Parks reviewer Tony Goldmark proudly announced his staggering achievement on Twitter as he posted four screenshots uh, mapping out each individual scene from the 23 MCU movies released so far in a timeline format. And you can see said tweet um, right there if you are watching the video for this here um for this here episode and sometimes you should because sometimes you know hey there's some good stuff you'll see but yeah he, he says um well nerds i effing did it took me a global pandemic and, and a damn quarantine but i did it i figured out the precise chronological order of all the mcu movies so far quotes by scene and i'm out of my g dang gone mind and i don't know why i'm doing that when i curse more probably more than this person's doing uh you're welcome so it's pretty. That's um, that's. Again. Now we need someone to fact check it. You know, we need someone to uh, proofread his work. Yeah, uh, you know what? If you want to go for it, go for it. I'm not touching it. <laughs> but for what, I, when, for what I looked at it, it seems relatively legit. I don't know. Um, like I said, that, that's a lot to kind of go through. Mm-hmm. Um, because if like. And just going in, just for a quick second, like it starts off with the prologue of Thor: The Dark World, stops at three forty-five. Flashback singles of Thor: Ragnarok at uh, one hour nineteen thirty-three, one uh, thirteen to, to fifty-four second, um, and it kind of goes from there. So basically, it starts with Thor, then Black Panther, then uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Weirdly enough, uh, most of Captain America: the First, uh, first Avenger, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, the first, the beginning of that, and Man and Watch. So it just kind of goes from there, from there. But I'm not going to go through all of that. It looks like it also says, "Oh, from according to one of these other tweets, tweets, uh, tweets that I'm seeing on the side, it does not cover. It just covers the movies, so it doesn't uh, cover Netflix TV shows, and that's probably obvious. And no ABC, which means no Agents of Shield." Mm-hmm. So, sure, makes sense. All yeah, right. If you are so inclined, you can go check that out for yourself. Next up, all right. Next up, Gray Matter Art is teaming with Gallery Nucleus to present five fine art geeklies of concept art from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's a uh, concept art by Ryan Minerding from Spidey Homecoming and Avengers Endgame. Thor concept art by Charlie Wen. Uh, Rodney Fuentebella produced some concept art for Captain America Civil War. And there is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 concept art by Jackson C. Each measures 12 by 24 inches and is limited to an edition of of 150 pieces and each costs $45. And And this is available through, I guess... um, the Great Matter Art website or Gallery Nucleus? Uh, probably, yeah. Let's see, does it actually say in here? Because I don't think it does say. Uh, oh, yeah, the Great Matter Shop. There you go. It's available at the Great Matter Shop. Thank you. Yes. No problem. Next up, uh, Marvel Studios to regain Daredevil TV rights in late 2020. So Hold on. Hold on. About time. Yeah, 
Indeed, indeed. You know, what they will do with it, we will absolutely see. But Marvel Studios uh, won't have much time to wait until Daredevil can rejoin the MCU via Screen Rant. Uh, the fan campaign known as Save Daredevil has calculated that only six months remain until the rights to Daredevil transfer from Netflix back to Marvel. Uh, due to the nature of the contract between Netflix and Marvel, the latter isn't able to use characters like Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones until two years after the cancellation of their respective shows. Uh, Netflix canceled Daredevil in late 2018, meaning Marvel will regain the rights to the characters in November 2020, unless they <laughs> stealth pulled off a show somehow during all of this, which I don't believe they have, so... <laughs> but anyway um, so as Green Rant points out uh, Marvel will also have re- required the rights to Luke Cage and Iron Fist at that point as both shows were all cancelled in uh, October 2018 the rights to Jessica Jones and The Punisher will follow in February 2021 with Netflix having cancelled its final two Marvel series in February 2019 Um if this all goes according to the way it does, and then in less than a year, all five franchises will be back in the Marvel fold. Yeah, way less than a year. Yeah. Now, again, like I said, and just as this article also puts it back up before we push this off, what are they going to do with it? <laughs> right. Well, they now have time to make plans. So we'll see if they are reproduced in television form or if some of those characters or if not all of the characters make their way into the movies so we'll see yep next up all right next up uh, apparently the agents of shield time travel spoiler alert it comes with a major catch so that's not the biggest spoiler um if you saw i think some of the previews of the upcoming or the current uh season of marvel's agents of shield which is the last one uh now these characters can time travel um with a ship but that ability comes with a catch apparently as revealed in know your onions the latest episode the team has only a specific window of time in which they can stay in one particular period worse they have no way to know how long they have or when the ship will make another time jump with or without them so it's quantum leap (laughs) <laughs> pretty much pretty much i was gonna say sliders but it's like no there's something that's that's actually probably could still work but yeah but it's a little different anywho yeah i mm-hmm. need to catch up i keep saying i need to catch up on agents of shield but um it's it's gonna take a minute next up uh jk simmons's spider-man audition involved a major marvel villain uh, J.K. Simmons, well, excuse me, in the pantheon of combo movie castings, few are as iconic or memorable as J.K. Simmons' turn as J. Jonah Jameson and Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, Simmons managed to bring the fiery-tempered editor-in-chief of the... You know what? We can pass this. Uh, Simmons was a recent guest on People TV's Couchsurfing, where he revealed that he had to go through a classic screen test to win over a skeptical Sony skeptical Sony executives. Uh, the producers and the people at Sony, they need to be convinced because obviously there were a lot uh, of more hot profile actors that they had in mind that would help with the box office, Simmons said. It was very nerve-wracking. Uh, let's see. It says, for Simmons' screen says he was required to read from the scene in which the Green Goblin uh, attacked the Daily Bugle, uh, interrogating Jameson about the identity of the photographer who takes uh, Spider-Man's pictures. Like I'm holding the script, script pages, reading the scene on the audition, but then at the same time trying to, to pretend I'm being lifted by the neck and choked. 
uh, Simmons explained, imitating being throttled. So, yeah, that's, I guess that's how that worked out. I would actually, sometimes I kind of want to see some of those, like, um, if they have those out there. Because I know that sometimes they would show those, like, the can't, the, the, the screen test, or sometimes they get parroted on Saturday Night Live, that kind of thing. But I would right. kind of like to see some of those screen tests, just just for giggles. I don't know. But that's just me. Anyway, next up. All right, next up. Um, as the Black Lives Matter protests continue across the country, uh, in the midst of it, Marvel Studios issued a statement. On Twitter, they posted an image that read, we stand against racism, we stand for inclusion, we stand with our fellow black employees, storytellers, creators, and the entire black community. We must unite and speak out. Um, the statement comes off the heels of the death of George Floyd at the hands of police officers. Uh, the latest case of police brutality, which uh, in this case sparked outrage globally. So um, I don't know if they were late to the party. I think there were other statements, but uh, they were out there in the midst of it. So um, kudos to them. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's worth noting that this. So if you're watching the video, you can see the statement on the Twitter. But it's it's if you've seen Disney, Star Wars, Marvel uh, comic proper, I believe they all use this exact same blanket statement. Makes um, sense. They're all owned by the same parent exactly. company. Exactly. <laughs> so, and DC, and we'll, which we will get to in a little while, but yeah, DC also has made statements, and, and, and other, um, you know, other companies have made statements. But yeah. So next right. up, uh, John Biag. I kind of hate this title, but still, whatever. Uh, John Biega willing to give up his career to support George. Floyd protests. I'm not sure what I don't like about it because even though he did say what he said. In the- yeah, exactly. What I was going to say, I think they're just quoting him, but yeah, I think it's an awkward title. Yeah. So, uh, if y'all did not know, one, John Boyega is a real one, and he always it seems like he always has been. And also, before I go into this, um, go watch Attack the Box. I just watched it recently. It's pretty damn good. Um, and which starts, You said Attack the Box, right? Attack the Block, yeah. Yeah, I thought you said attack the box. I'm like, no, I think that's not the title. <laughs> no, 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 I said block. Yeah, but no, it's pretty good for because it was like basically his first film, and I think him and actually it was kind of funny because it's him and one of the dudes that plays in the Flash now is in that film, and also the um, the the the, the Jody Whittaker who's now the Doctor in Doctor Who was also in that film. So needs to say there were some folks that kind of got launched out of there. No, most notably John Boyega, but you could kind of see early on where you know where. Where he gets the swag from? Because it was he was pretty good in that one. Anyway, regardless, a protest at Hyde Park in Lo- uh, in London was attended by John Boyega, where the Star Wars actor gave an impassioned speech to gathered protesters concerning the repeated reports of produce, uh, police brutality in the United States. Uh, "Quote: We are a physical representation of our support for George Floyd." We are a physical representation of our support for Sandra Bland. We are a physical representation for of, of our support for Trayvon Martin. We are a physical representation of our support for Stephen Lawrence. Uh, Boyega said, I'm speaking to you from the heart. Look, I don't know if I'm going to have a career after this, but F that. So, And Boyega, to, to his credit, Boyega's been out. And not just now. He, like, he's been out there well before this so this is not like he's just doing this for whatever he's been kind of going at it you know at various times in the past so no one can really say that you know this is just him 
Putting on a bandwagon, right? Right, exactly. No one can really say that. And like, there's, I can't, I wish I had the other tweet that he said because he was just like going at, oh, I think he, there was a tweet out there was like, yeah, uh, that, that Star Wars movie has y'all messed up, <laughs> basically. Because he was like, look, this is, this is me, this is what I'm going to do. And this, if you don't like it, whatever. So, like I said, he's been a real one. But um, he also says, uh, I need you to understand how painful this is. He continues, I need you to understand how painful it is to be reminded every day that your race means nothing. And that isn't the case anymore. And that was never the case anymore. Uh, today is about innocent people who are halfway through their process. We don't know what George Floyd could have achieved. We don't know what Sandra Bland, Bland could have achieved. But today we're going to make sure that it won't be an alien thought in our young ones. Boyega added. So shout out to John Boyega for real. So um, for that. Like I said, he's in the sex. This is not the first time he's been 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 um, been out there about that. So don't get fooled. Um, but on that note, actually, I'm gonna go ahead and take this next one already because they're kind of since it's connected. Uh, Jordan Peele and more directors eager to cast John Boyega after protest speech. "Quote: We got you." Um, uh, major Hollywood directors such as Jordan Peele, Edgar Wright, and Guillermo del Toro are standing up for John Boyega after the Star Wars actor gave an impassioned speech at the June 3rd Black Lives Matter protest in London's Ida Park. Uh, part of Boyega's speech found him contemplating whether or not to speak out against racism, but would have uh, would have had a negative impact on his career. Um, and we've kind of gone through what he said about that already, so we don't have to go onto it. But basically... Um, Jordan Peele, the Oscar winner behind Get Out and Us, wrote to Boyega, "We got you, John." A message that was then retweeted by the Shape of Shape of Water Oscar winner Guillermo del Toro. Erica Wright chimed in, um, "Have before and would again in a heartbeat." So John, so proud of John before. While Michael W. H. Cherry, who won the the Oscar. This year, for Best Animated Short Film, responded, I would work with John Bergen and urge other non-black creators to affirm that they have his back as well. Um, and then yeah, there's a bunch of other people who have who have also lent their support in, in, uh, behind uh, John Big after this. So I guess kudos to them. Hopefully some of these people were actually going to do that before all this happened, but that's a whole other story, and I know that's cynical, so my apologies. Anyway, next up. The director of The New Mutants has said he'd still love to continue with his original plan and complete a trilogy of X-Men spinoffs based on The New Mutants. The official New Mutants update Twitter shared a conversation between Josh Boone and SFX Magazine discussing the idea that The New Mutants will be a one-and-done movie. Boone explained, ultimately, after all this time, I was able to make my New Mutants film, and I'm, he, proud of it. But he's hoping for uh, what, what he's hoping for now is that it will be successful enough so the studio will allow him to complete a trilogy that he has all planned out. Well, you know what? I wish him the best. Yeah, right. Because you know the movie hadn't even seen release yet. So while he's able was able to make it, will people be able to see it? That is the question. Next up. Uh, Titans Jason Todd says being killed by the Joker would be a dream. Uh, Titans Kieran, Kieran Walters would like to see his character Jason Todd Robin reenact several moments from the comics, including Todd's famous death scene at the hands of the Joker. Um, quote unquote, man, I obviously think one, 
I think obviously one of the most iconic things. Wait, Lord. Yeah, that's right. It would be pretty cool to have that sentence is really weird. Uh, it would be really cool to like have the Batmobile stealing of the tires. Watchers toward uh Con. That's a pretty memorable scene for me, I'm sure. For sure. Uh, so that would be fun. Obviously, the whole Joker thing would be a dream, a ideal world. But yeah, we'll see. I'm so thrilled that the first script of the season that to get that first script of the season and see what happens. So yeah, there you go. Next. All right. Next up, there is a rumor, rumor, rumor that representatives of WWE superstar Sonya Deville, real name Daria Bray Baronado, are pushing hard for her to land acting roles, including that of DC's Kate Kane, following Ruby Rose's departure from the CW's Batwoman. There there may be other um, stories that are related to this. Uh yes, but I didn't put any in, in the the thing. But yeah, there are other other people, and we talked about last week. Stephanie Beatrix wanted it, uh, but right. yeah, so. I was about to say I don't know if you have a story in there, but there's there's I, I think it was a rumor that they may actually write Kate Kane out of the story. Uh yeah, I think I did see that one, but I didn't pull it. Okay, so I mean, essentially, if you didn't pull it, essentially the rumor now is that uh, the, the the folks in the Berlanti verse are. Uh, are possibly going to be writing Kate Kane out of the show and placing a new character into the role of Batwoman. Yeah. So we will see. That's all we can say. Yeah, pretty much. Like, and I think there was another article about kind of reacting to 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 that. But you know, that's kind of how that works. Next up, uh, former Flash actor shot with rubber bullets in Los Angeles protests. Uh, Kendrick Sampson, who played Dominic Lance in The Flash, as well as Jesse in Vampire Diaries, has reported that he was present at protests in Los Angeles, and the police fired rubber bullets, uh, several of which hit him. Uh, demonstrations have been raging in some American cities after the death, death, death of George Floyd, an unarmed black man at the hands of police in Minnesota. Uh, Sampson posted videos of the protests on his Instagram and was seen on news footage of uh, being shot with rubber bullets and hit with uh, police batons. So, yeah, that is this is the thing that's going on, folks. Uh, Next up. Next up, uh, several. uh, Several. That have been working in. We have. Uh, Oh, wait. Oh, no, we're back again. There we go. Oh, I. I love it. Camera <laughs> problems. So, uh, getting back to the story at hand, the UK and its uh, governmental agencies have given the green light for film and television production to restart after being shut down due to the coronavirus, meaning specifically the Batman, amongst other things, can resume filming. Obviously, according uh, as, as uh, reported by The Guardian, the guidelines include social distancing and other safety training uh, and temperature testing. So, uh, you know, at least these program, these uh, projects can resume, you know, when they're when they're able to can resume production. Yep, indeed. Um, next up. Let's see. New Harley Quinn movie project in the works at Warner Brothers. Uh, according to a report, 
Warner Bros. may be preparing for the next big screen appearance of Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn. According to DCEU's Mythics, uh, Jeremy Conrad, I guess I'm assuming this is a rumor site, uh, the studio has begun early discussions on where Harley Quinn will appear next in the DC Extended Universe. Of course, this could mean uh, Harley Quinn could star in her own solo movie or take part in another ensemble feature like uh, this year's Birds of Prey. We'll see how that works out. Next up. All right. Warner Brothers has quietly released an hour-long Batmobile documentary for free. Uh, It's an hour-long documentary centered on the Dark Knight's iconic vehicle without any announcement. The entire film is available online for all fans to see. While it touches upon the comic book history of the Batmobile, the documentary primarily seems to focus on its aesthetic evolution through film. Uh, When we say it's available online, available via YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, it's on the Weather Brothers Entertainment's uh, um, YouTube channel. So here's the funny thing, because I've seen this in the last week or so, and I thought it was like some fan some fan documentary thing. I was like, okay, that's neat. I'm, maybe I'll come back and check it out. I didn't know it was a proper, them proper doing that. So, if you're so inclined, you can go check that out, though. Uh, next up, Static Shock co-creator reacts to show's racism episode going viral. Uh, Static Shock aired in the early 2000s, but it's just as relevant as it, as it was then as it is today. Uh, Dennis Cowan took to Twitter to express his gratitude after a user posted a clip from the season one episode, Sins of the Fathers, which quickly went viral. Over 49,000, 49K likes. I had no idea people felt this way. Amazing. Cowan wrote, uh, a bright spot in a crazy world right now. Uh, so yeah, the, if you can you go check out, um, Dennis Cowan's, uh, uh, Twitter account and you can, um, you can go check out that clip, or better yet, you know what? I can't remember if it's. I think it's on DC Universe. If you got that, go check out Set of Clock, Set of Shock, because it was a damn good show back in the day. It is. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up. So apparently, while speaking with Premier Magazine, director Patty Jenkins revealed that she passed on directing a Justice League film. Um, if you go to the CBR. Uh, story, it will further detail some of her reasoning behind turning down the project. Yeah. What he said. So, yeah, and I won't go into it, but um, but basically, basically she said it didn't connect with her. So, too many characters, uh, she, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Makes sense, you know. If, it, if you ain't feeling it, don't do it. <laughs> some folks take, the, take things for the paycheck. Uh, next up, HBO Max has no plans to add more DC Universe shows after Doom Patrol. Um, so all the way back in July, it was announced that Doom Patrol had been renewed for a second season at not only its home streaming service of DC Universe, but also the brand new uh, HBO Max. Uh, this is a speculation regarding t- what future could hold for DC Universe and its relationship with Warner Media's new flagship service. However, HBO Max has now confirmed that at this time, there are no plans for any other DC Universe originals to be brought over. So, I guess that means DC Universe is still going to be around for a little bit longer. So, cool. 
or you know from, we can't really take much of anything from this we just know that this is what this is next up all righty uh riverdale star vanessa morgan the woman who plays tony topaz on the cw drama riverdale has shared her frustration at television shows for how they portray black characters while she didn't initially mention her show by name she and other actors from the show have since brought some of riverdale's issues to light on May 31st, Morgan shared a statement about her frustration with media companies, many of whom have been sharing Black Lives Matter posts uh, over the recent days as the worldwide protests against the police killing of George Floyd continue to grow. According to Vanessa Morgan, some companies are not practicing what they're currently preaching. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not only her, but Ashley Murray, who played uh, Josie uh, on the show, also came out. Now, mind you, and if you're watching the video, that uh, Vanessa Morgan is the young black girl that is behind this other character that they have pictured here. Um, not, I'm not sure why they did that, but hey, whatever it is, what it is. Next up, Star Trek Voyager's Year of Hell episodes could have been a whole season, according to Brian Fuller. Um which probably would have made some sense, I guess. Anyway, if the writers had their way, uh, often considered the highlight of the series, the Year of Hell two-parter in Star Trek Voyager's fourth season injects messy timeline shenanigans and high drama into the series, which typically focused on uh, less serialized, less intense stories than uh, the immediate forebearer, Deep Space Nine. Great show, by the way. Um, according to Brian Fuller, who talked about working on Voyager in a recent episode of the Inglorious Trexperts podcast, the initial concept for uh, was for the story to have these in these two part stories comprise a whole season arc. Uh, the Year of Hell and the behind the scenes drama, not only to craft episode, wait, not only to craft episode, but that season was fascinating because we wanted Year of Hell to last an entire season. Uh, Fuller said. Wanted to see Voyager get its ass kicked every episode and through that season was going to be marbled the story of Anorax and the time ship. That was changing things. So we would go back to it every once in a while to remind the audience that the large, uh, that it is the larger story. But it was rejected because Deep Space Nine made uh, wait, because Deep Space Nine made Voyager co-creator and executive producer Rick Berman allergic to serialized storytelling violently mm. so which is sad because deep space nine did fine with it so i don't know what his problem was either way but then again you know it is what it is um while berman would eventually next idea for said and i gotta stop saying that uh fuller said that it was um animating one of the most exciting concepts to move through the voyager's writer's room so yeah we could have got more of a thing in voyager which probably could have made it a little bit better. Not saying Voyagers were bad. Voyager was bad, but, you know, it just kind of, it had problems probably in scheduling and other things. Next up. So next up, according to Ronald D. Moore himself, I presume one of the creators behind the, the 2000s uh, reboot of Battlestar Galactica, he spoke to Collider about the original shape of the show's ending and uh, apparently there was a long 
141-minute finale, finale, but the three-parter that ended Battlestar Galactica way back in 2009 um, could have been even longer as there was an original four-hour concept for the finale. Apparently, the original cut, which clocked in at around four hours, was even more extensive, but the problem was that it wasn't as compelling, so they cut out you know, some of the stuff they felt was extraneous, but it could have been four hours and uh, apparently uh, more sums it up in the article we have in our notes. From what I understand, the ending they went with probably wasn't that much better. Um, I have not seen, I have not seen the end of that uh, of BSG, but uh, it started out great, though. I loved it, but from what I understand, it kind of went a little off the rails. Uh, anyway, next up in the Lord of the Rings news, Sean Bean had to cheat during his Mordor meme speech. One does not simply walk. Exactly. The Mordor. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I was like, well, yes, it, it, the, um, as I said for another thing last night, uh, the speech that launched a thousand memes, basically. Uh, a majority of the Lord of the Rings trilogy cast plus. Uh oh, so I should, probably should have done this first. As a matter of fact, let me uh, I'll come back around to it. But um, so basically, the the cast of uh, Lord of the Rings just re- reunited like uh, uh, this past weekend, thanks to Josh God, Josh Gad, excuse me, who re- reunited <laughs> um, reunited via you know YouTube uh, his YouTube series. Apparently, he has and they met over virtually. So, and it was also a way to raise money for uh, for the charity No Hungry, No Kid Hungry. During an episode which lasted most almost an hour, Jackson dug into the famous Mordor speech made by Sean Beams of Barmore, Barmere during the formation of the Fellowship. You know the one. It includes the lines as uh, Agent Seventy just said. Uh, one does not simply walk into Mordor. Its black gates are guarded by more than just orcs. There is evil there that does that does not sleep. The great eye is ever watchful. Yep. So that one, y'all know that one. Um, and of course, that that one does not went into like every other meme and its grandmother since then, or as of late, I guess. But yeah, it says there that uh, that entire speech that Sean had delivered at the end of the Council of Elrond was written for the night before. Uh, Jackson explained, it's long and we gave it to Sean the morning he would arrive. Uh, what Sean did, which I thought was really clever, is he got a printout of the speech taped to his knee. <laughs> it, <laughs> I love it. I know, right? Uh, it was on his knee, and when he did that scene, you'll see Jackson Mimes being looking down, pretending to be deep in thought. Uh, if you watch the scene now, you'll see every time that Sean has to check the script. And now I have to go and watch Fellowship of the Rings just to see that. <laughs> That's actually pretty damn clever because it's like, okay, you don't, because you don't necessarily know as you say, unless there's like some other signs or something bouncing off his eyes or, or, or a Coke can gets left in the mm. scene or something like that that somebody finds. But that's pretty funny. <laughs> so... If y'all are like me, eventually, and it's on HBO Max, if you, you know, not saying, not saying this is a sponsor for the show, because it's really not, but I'm just saying it's out there. Those those moves are out there, and if you don't already have it, go to I wonder if, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, no, I no, was going to add if uh, ask if HBO Max has the theatrical versions. You know what? That's the part I didn't check. You know, um, I'm glad you said that. I will probably check as you do the next one. Um, well, I was about to say you the the next one is related to exactly. Okay, yeah, to so I, yeah, I'll do that. And if you want to go ahead and check, go for it. Right, but yes. So, uh, Josh Gad, who never sleeps, apparently, according to this article writer, uh, reunites Lord of the Rings cast for latest Zoom reunion. So this is basically what I just alluded to. And oh, I hate autoplaying things. I hate you. I hate you with the passion. Ban them all. Uh, anyway, um, Josh Gad, you know, gathered hobbits, the wizards, the, el- the elves, and the wicked men folk to go to Eisen uh, YouTube, where the joke, where they joke, talk, shop. Uh, reminisce and just seem to really thoroughly enjoy each other's presence. Uh, I assume this this video. Well, yeah. So this is a link to the video right here, and I guess this is for, as I previously said, um, for Josh Gad's podcast that he does. Um, reunited apart. Well, I guess that's the that's this one, but um, or whatever else. But in the stream. Elijah Wood, Senna, uh, Sean Austin, that's a typo there, uh, Ian McKellen, Orlando Bloom, Viggo Mortensen, Liv Tyler, and more, along with director Peter Jackson, and presumably uh, the kind doting ghost of Chair are talking just off screen. That is the art, the, the articles writer doing this, but how does uh, get uh, okay? You know what? We're not going to get into that, but basically, yeah, so that's what happened, and we already told you that it was done for a charity reason, also. So you can go check that out on the YouTubes. Um, and it's also, it looks like it's titled One Zoom to Rule Them All Reunited Apart Lord of the Rings Edition. And Josh Gad, so you can go check that out at your leisure. I actually might check that out a little later. Next up, did you find? Yeah, out? I was just gonna say I did. I can't confirm. I I did pull up HBO Max to see the Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring. Hmm. It doesn't say in any of the description that it is the extended edition. So I presume this is the theatrical edition. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes I've noticed last night that sometimes they'll have like, they'll break pretty much have the theatrical front and center. And if it has an extended version, like it'll be down there where a trailer would be or something uh, like underneath where the cast would be. If they have like extras basically. So it, it may or may not, who knows if it doesn't have that, then it's probably just theatrical and they went with it. Right. It doesn't appear that way. Yeah. All right. Next up. All right. Uh, let's see. Back to the news. I clicked away from it, so I apologize. That's right. Um, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is in development, really. So a sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog is in the works. Variety reports that Jeff Fowler, who helmed the 2020 film, is returning to direct the sequel from a script by Pat Casey and Josh Miller. The trade says it's confirmed its scoop with Paramount Pictures and Sega. Fowler also confirmed the news via Twitter. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Obviously, nowadays, there are movies that doesn't necessarily need to be doing well to get sequels. We've known that for quite a while at this point. I didn't know. I don't know how this one went, but apparently there are people who actually like this movie, the Sonic movie. So Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. And obviously, we we know about the changes that they underwent. With the original version that from a while back that they cleaned up and whatever. So, good on them, I guess. <laughs> uh, next up and final in our cinematic news, uh, Cowboy Bebop Netflix series won't be a one-to-one adaptation of the original. Surprising to no one. 
Um, Cabo Bebop Netflix series writer Javier Grillo uh, Marksock, Marksock, I guess, uh, has revealed that the live action show won't be directly adapting the entirety of the source material's 26 episode run. Instead, picking and choosing from certain classic characters and elements to help uh, fit a wider narrative. Uh, you, quotes, you've got a show where you have 26 episodes that are full of very colorful villains, very colorful stories, very colorful, colorful adversaries, bounties, uh, and all of that, uh, Grillo told uh, io9. We're not going to go one-to-one on all of those stories because we're also trying to tell a broader story of Spike Spiegel and the Syndicate, uh, Spike Spiegel and Julia, Spike Spiegel and Vicious, and all of that. So basically it sounds like this is just Spike Spiegel um, they're, they're focusing on Spike and not the rest of the cast. <laughs> uh, the series, which uh, IO9 confirmed, will feature hour long episodes instead of the relatively bite sized 22 minutes, should still include many of the bounty of the week villains that Spike and Co. have to, sh- uh, have to hunt down for those precious Wulongs. So, yeah, um, take that for what you will, folks out there. Like, some of that's kind of no surprise because those live action animes or anime movies are all generally not great. <laughs> and mm-hmm. usually make some, some changes some kind of way in there. Not surprising this one. All right, so now we are going to go into the comic book news. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. And we start off with. Power Rangers Battle for the Grid to become the first fighting game with cross-play across five platforms. Uh, That's big news. Yeah, it is. And actually, um, so if y'all did not know, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid is a fighting game. um, Who's producing it? um, You know what? I can't remember. It's some small... Well, not small. I shouldn't say that. um, So it's not Capcom, and it's not the people who are behind like Tekken or... Any of the other big fighting studio, fighting uh, game studios. Inway, um, Inway are the developers, and it's publishing by, not surprising, Hasbro Gaming and Landscape Games because you know license. Uh, uh, but yeah, and actually, like I said, when it came out, it was a little rough, uh, but they've done some tweaking to it, and it's actually gotten a lot, you know, a lot smoother. And I think the the net code might be a little bit better as it was now, but now it's going crossplay. It's going to have to be better. <laughs> Because that's a that's an interesting. Figure. There's not a lot of big games don't even have a, a crossplay uh, at this point. So the game, so yeah, so the game launches on Google Stadia as a part of June's collection of free games for a Stadia Pro subscriber, which is probably part of the reason why this is happening. And will feature crossplay with other platforms. The game is already available on that includes PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC via Steam. So, and that news came out from the Battle Grid as a Twitter account. So, if you've uh, played that game before, you maybe you want to revisit it and get your get your thing on. Next, mm-hmm. uh, Marvel's Avengers developers have discussed representing disability and introducing a new superpowered non-player character. This is from Crystal Dynamics, the developer behind Marvel's Avengers, and. Uh, uh, publisher Square Enix, and they've revealed a new wheelchair using superpowered NPC, which is one of the studio's many efforts to increase its representation of disability. Is it Professor X? 
It is not. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, you know, that could have, yeah, that could have been something they could have done, but also, but it is an Avengers focus film, so that probably, I mean, uh, things so that right. couldn't have happened. Uh, so, a blog dedicated to accessibility staff from Crystal Dynamics explained how accessibility has increased in importance to the studio since efforts first began in 2013. And, um, you know, the, the, the studio has, um, has has created a better understanding of the experiences of players who have different needs. Okay. Yeah. So apparently the the um you can see the picture here uh, and the character's name is uh, Cerise. Um. So, like, I mean, yes, this is this is a. I hope this is not just a check mark to say, hey, look, we got this disabled character in there, and I hope they do something good with the character and and make it meaningful. Because I mean, because let's be let's be honest, that there's not a lot of uh, disabled heroes out there, you know, at all. So therefore, the disabled people are not being represented in games much as much as you know, quite well in any other media. So, like, if they do this right, this is good on them. But hopefully, they, you know, hopefully they are doing this right. But we'll see because we don't because because that game's not coming out until like late next year anyway. Um... Next up, uh, footage from the canceled first-person Avengers game services. THQ dropped it uh, before it filed bankruptcy in 2012, apparently. So THQ, a.k.a. the toy company, the toy headquarters, known for licensing many, 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 many a game, or uh, games using many, many, many licenses, I should point out. But anyway, uh, to coincide with the first Avengers film, THQ was working on a first-person co-op romp uh, inspired by the secret invasion crossover event due to thq's financial trouble and eventual closure however the game never saw the light of day but now new footage from an early build has surfaced um yeah thq shut down the developers working on the project thq studios australia and blue tongue entertainment back in 2011 a year after they acquired the rights to the avengers uh, shortly after the the thq uh, fire sale began, leading to Ubisoft picking up the license and developing the console exclusive Marvel's Avengers of Battle for Earth, which dissed the first person uh, perspective. So the early build was found on a hard drive acquired by Obscure Gamers, um, the video game preservation co- community with um, uh, Andrew Borgman, digital games curator at the Museum of Play, uploading the footage this week. It features the classic team up of Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, and Thor beating the crap out of pesky shape-shifting, shift, excuse me, shape-shifting scrolls. So, and that's uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little slip of the tongue there. My apologies. Um, but yeah, there's footage out there in the video to this, in the link uh, to this article if you are so inclined to check that out. I haven't looked at it yet, so yeah. Next up. Next up, so Empire Number One is not going to hit the stands until July fifteenth. But Marvel has announced they're priming the pump with the special Empire previews magazine to debut July one as a free item for comic book stores. But the magazine was finalized before COVID nineteen led distribution shutdown delays, um, and uh, that delayed everything, including Empire, leading some of the information to be outdated, according to Marvel editor in chief CB Sabolsky. Okay. Yeah. So that um, I was looking on Marvel Unlimited, and that that uh, that uh, issue is out there actually. If it is the same one I'm thinking of, and I think it is. So it, all it is basically is like um, 
you know, like a. It basically looks like a solicitation book. So, and it's got that all that pertinent information with all the books that are coming. coming. I have that, so I'm not sure if it's the same. I know, I know what you speak. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure if it's the same one either. But that's the one that just came out recently. So, but if this because I think this is the same one we talked about last week, and uh, and um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But regardless, hey, that book's out there if it's not the same one. Uh, regardless, next up, Venom artist Ryan Stegman draws an adorable baby Yoda, and if you, as you can see from um, from the video, if you're watching it, uh, you can see the tweet that uh, that Stegman did with baby Yoda holding, holding looks like a cup of coffee. Uh, with the caption "Baby Yoda" drawn on tonight's kids uh, YouTube stream, you can check it out when done. When it's done, uploading to at uh, YouTube.com/slash/StegmanR. So, there you go. You can go check that out. That's cool. That's a little rough looking sketch, but it's alright. It's alright. I know some folks are not not uh, fans of Stegman's work in certain certain venue. <laughs> We don't necessarily have to go into that, but you know. Are oh, you muted? I think. Sorry about that. He's not terrible. He's had you know his ups and downs. Yeah. You know, um, there's definitely been some you know really sketchy work that he's done. He did do. Uh, do oh, it's go uh, blinking in and out again. Look at that. Oh, we're having camera issues again this week. Just let's see if it fixes itself. It looks like it's fixing itself right now. Yep, it is. So, uh, in any event, um, writer-actor Kevin Grevue spoke to Marvel.com regarding New Warriors and creating Blue Marvel. So, you can get the inside scoop on a creative legacy unlike any other in this article. Uh, Bear in mind that... uh, Kevin Grevy has done lots of uh, acting. He's appeared in live-action films like Congo and Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, and has done uh, numerous animated supervillains, including Terax and Super Scroll. Um, he, in this piece, they discuss some of the things that he's created, such as Adam the Blue Marvel, and that is interesting because there is rumor that this character may find himself in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe sooner rather than later. And I'll tell you that it was an interesting time getting my hands on copies of those books when they were first coming out because they were very underordered. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, I I would much say, so. Yeah. Um, I would say, and there, there, are, I believe it is out there on Marvel Universe, uh, Marvel Unlimited. If you so to check that out, but because I believe that's where I read it, um, and it's actually not a bad little miniseries. So I think it's like five issues, and it's uh, I think that's the first time I've seen his. Well, let me phrase that. I had read something else of his and didn't re- then gone follow back to this. Didn't realize it was him writing it. Uh, okay. So and yeah, but yeah, it's not bad. You can check him out. Uh, check it out if you're so inclined. And check out this article, by the way. Though, so it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, next up, 15 black comic artists whose work you need to read. Um, the North American comic book industry desperately needs to diversify. That's a very gross understatement. Uh, especially on the creative level. Um, 
So while there are black and non-white people of color working on mainstream titles, as well as award-winning indie books, the industry is still overwhelmingly white. Uh, that said, com- black comic artists are putting out incredible work worthy of reader and industry support. Um, who have, you know, long could have been using support before now. Anyway, before are several black comic book artists whose work both long time and burgeoning uh, comic book readers alike should check out and recommend to others along with links to websites and online portfolios. Seabower will also feature black writers and uh, black creator owned books in the coming days. Um, I and I would go ahead and say, say some of this list. It starts off with a uh, shout out to hometown uh, guy and uh, former guest of the show, Sanford Green. Um, Dennis Cowens, uh, Valentin Delandro, who's on uh, Pretty Deadly, or Bitch Plant, not Pretty Deadly, sorry. Uh, Kari Randolph, who's, um, I still need to finish reading Excellence. Um, uh, and, and a bunch of others. I won't go for the Brian Stelfreeze, who's also, who's on uh, Black Panther as, as a recent and other stuff. But yeah, you can go check that out and, um, the other folks that are on this list. There are some notable names on this outside of the ones that uh, that uh, that uh, you know that uh, that's been said, and a couple as I think there was actually a joke on um, joke on Twitter between like Kyra Randolph and Renard um, Falks about uh, Renard being under underrated, and even when this when this was coming out, he was joking, but you know he was just like yeah. I knew it, but whatever. But yeah, go check out the list. Go check out the stuff, and uh, we will move on to. All right, next up, uh, Twitter users are pressing Disney to sue police for co-opting the Punisher's iconic skull, and I agree. Comic book writers and artists have joined with Twitter users pressing Disney to sue police forces who have co-opted the Punisher's iconic skull logo after Disney pledged to support the NAACP and various other organizations fighting racism. Comic writer Matt D. Wilson took to Twitter demanding the company commit even more money to the cause. He then raised the idea of the company forcing police to stop using the Punisher's logo, a trend that co-creator Jerry Conway decried last year and actually popped up, I believe, in a Matt Rosenberg Punisher book as well. Uh, I wanted to add that it was unfortunate that this skull, which I always thought was cool, popped up in the military. And it initially popped up in the military as um, as a symbol for, you know, obviously soldiers and for especially elite, um, you know, elite groups such as SEALs and or uh, Rangers and, uh, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera. But unfortunately, uh, that, that's, while not acceptable, I can see their point of view. But vigilantism is vigilantism. The Punisher is no superhero. And that symbol should not be attached to anything related to, you know, serving and protecting in law enforcement. So that's my uh, soapbox rant. No, I mean, there you go. And it, I, you know, I totally agree with that. And yeah, because the number of police folks that was using that as of the last couple of years, that's just like, that, that's not something you should be doing. Especially when, as Agent 7 said, you're here to serve and protect and not do the bullshit you're doing now. Next up, um, 
Spider-Man joins New York protesters on Manhattan Bridge in viral video. Um, a man in Spider-Man costume joined Black Lives Matter protests in New York on Tuesday night as demonstrators uh, took to the Manhattan Bridge. And I understand there was there was um, some uh, there were some things that went on after that, or or as that protest went on, also. Uh, but anyway, uh, Anya Vols, a protester at the bridge who shared the clip of, for for Spider-Man on Twitter, said a huge development at the Manhattan Bridge protest right now. And you see, if you're watching the video, you can see um, the Twitter post, which links to the video uh, of a, a man in a spider, Spider-Man costume leaning up against a wall on the bridge, near the bridge, on the bridge, rather. Uh, and apparently, it, it, uh, the video has been seen like 2.4 million times as of this writing. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I wish it wasn't the Tobey Maguire costume. <laughs> It, you know, it had the raised webbing, and I was just disappointed to see that. Although I did laugh, there's a, a part in the story that reads somebody in the crowd quotes the 2002 Spider-Man movie by shouting, "You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us." While another asks Spider-Man from, um, I believe this is from Homecoming, to do a flip. So, oh yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. And the Spider-Man has been identified. I'm not sure what should give us his name, but you know who. But he goes by Spider Singh. So, yeah. um, and he also extended the New York protest early in the week. And you can also see another picture of, um, of him in Spider-Man. Actually, in wait, this is uh the Tobey Maguire. I mean, this is the um the Amazing Spider-Man. This is um Garfield's costume, isn't it? Well, I always recognize I always recognize the raised webbing as the Sony, you know, as the Sony picture. So it could be either one. Yeah, but I mean, he might have been wearing two different ones at two different times. So I don't know. Either way, next up, uh, Philadelphia protester takes to the street dressed as Batman. I saw this as well. Mm. An individual in an, an individual dressed as Batman was seen at a protest in Philadelphia on this past Saturday. Yeah, that's what it is. And again, here's another uh, hero. Apparently, Heroic Harlowood has um, has uh, the the Twitter post and a link to him, and, and with the caption, of course, he's the hero we deserve, but not the one we need right now. So, yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Marvel and DC Warner Brothers uh, express support for the Black community. Uh, Marvel and DC, excuse me, Marvel Comics and DC, as well as DC's sister company, Warner Brothers, have expressed solidarity with the black community following protests across the United States over the death of uh, George Floyd. Floyd, excuse me. We stand against racism. We stand for inclusion. Marvel tweeted Sunday, which we alluded to. Uh, we basically said what they said earlier with uh, Marvel Studios because it's the same. Uh, it is the same message. Uh, DC tweeted a relevant passage from 2001's Action Comics 775. Uh, dreams save us, dreams lift us, and transform us. And on my soul, I swear, until my dream of a world where dignity, honor, and justice becomes the reality we all share, I'll never stop fighting, ever. And uh, subsequently, DC retweeted Warner Brothers' more direct statement, which began with a quote from Brian Stevenson, the fighter and executive director of uh, Equal Justice Initiative. Uh, somebody has to stand where others are sitting, somebody has to speak when others are quiet, Brian Stevenson uh one of brothers trait red so 
There you go. It, is, it goes on a little bit more, but uh, like it, it goes into the message that we pretty much we stand with uh, Black Lives Matter, basically. So, actually, what he says is, uh, we stand with our Black colleagues, talent, storytellers, and fans, and all affected by senseless violence. Mm, okay. One of Brother Street continues, your voices matter, your message matters. Uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter. So there you go. On that, and next up. Next up, uh, DC has canceled the planned Manhunters, the Lost History limited series. The publisher has not announced any plans to resolicit or publish the series on other platforms. The creative team for the five-issue series was writer Mark Andreco and artist Renato Guedes. Yeah. Uh, next up, um, I believe, wait, wasn't there a Kate Spencer? Yeah, there was a Kate Spencer, a Manhunter. I don't know whether that was a different time. So we're getting to why I'm not, I did not show the, 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 the articles on those particular ones. Anyway, DC Comics cancels, uh, print finales of, uh, Ruby, RWBY, uh, Jin and Jin Lock. So the respective uh, finalities of DC Comics' Rooster Teeth-based digital first titles, Ruby and Jin Lock, will not be arriving in print. Per Newsarama, a.k.a. Anyway, anyway uh, DC Comics has canceled the print releases of Ruby 7 and Jin Lock 8, 7, which are, had previously been delayed indefinitely as a result of the ongoing global health crisis. Uh, originally, DC would publish digital chapters of both titles on a bi-weekly basis, uh, with each two chapters then being collected into a monthly print issue, uh, i.e. 14 total chapters across seven issues for both books. So while the contents of uh, issues seven for both of those books are already available for purchase digitally and have been for some time, physical editions of these issues would not be available in comic shops. So, yikes. Next up... Despite DC Comics ending its hiatus and restarting comic book distribution, there still seems to be some setbacks. According to the newly bought out Newsarama, the publishing company has canceled 22 releases for reprinted comics, including 18 books from the Dollar Comics line and four from the facsimile line. It is suspected that this may be due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic forcing changes to DC's distribution schedule, but the publisher gave no official reason. Uh, yeah. Um, crap. Uh, Beast Boy Loves Raven. Hold let me, let me switch this over here. There we go. Beast Boy Loves Raven in upcoming Teen Titans OGN from Garcia and Piccolo. Uh, I believe we've talked about this before. Um, but the third volume in writer Kami Garcia and artist Gabriel Piccolo's uh, young adult Teen Titans OGN, uh, that's an original graphic novel, series will be Beast Boy Loves Raven. Uh, DC book trade distributor Penguin Random House has listed the title on their international sales website with a February 23rd, 2021 release date. And then there is a description of the book uh, that follows from that. Next up. Alrighty, next up, uh, five titles from DC Comics' 100-page giant line. 
are some of the latest from the Burbank-based publisher to forego print publication and be made into digital exclusives. Again, per the newly bought out Newsarama, the print editions of Titans Giant Number no. 2, The Flash Giant Number no. 5, Swamp Thing Giant Number no. 5. They've done five Swamp Thing Giants. <laughs> Teen Titans Go, DC Superhero Girls, Stan- Girls Giant, number one and wonder woman 84 giant number one have all been canceled dc plans to release the non-reprint content from these issues digitally at a later time though no specific release date for the digital comics is currently available all righty uh dc just introduced a new kind of flashpoint apparently um, this is spoilers for the Flash Fastest Man Alive number five, which I'm assuming is out. Um, in the DC Universe, Flashpoint is a loaded word, usually as a reference to Flashpoint, the 2011 Jeff Johns and Andy Cooper DC crossover that saw the Flash create an alternate timeline by changing history to save his mother from being killed by the reverse Flash. Uh, that storyline has been adapted in the Arrowverse and in the DC animated film Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, which is actually not bad. Um, However, Flash, the fastest man alive, number five, brings another kind of Flashpoint into its self-contained version of the DC Universe. Uh, in this digital first series, Barry Allen introduces the idea of Flashpoints as being specific eras in history that serve as natural exits from the timeline. Um, over the past few issues, the series has chronicled the first encounter between this Flash and Reverse Flash, Eobald Thawne. Uh, after traveling to Thawne's future last issue, this issue sees a Reverse Flash chase Barry Allen across time and space. So yeah, you can go check that out because it's more likely it's probably out there. Next up, uh, mute it. Sorry about that. Uh, Dark Horse Comics will release a graphic novel tied to the Panda Moni. Goodness, really, Panda Moni toy brand property Alternation in October. Alternation, They Hide Hybrids, is by Tim Seeley and Mike Norton, with colors by Alan Pasalacqua, and letter, lettered by Crank. The story follows GK Delta, a top-secret team of cryptid heroes who protect humanity from extraordinary threats. It also includes the 12-page prequel comic Alter Nation, The Mystery of the Whining Winnie. Okay. The toy line, with a series of short webisodes to provide narrative, consists of eight character figures. The Dark Horse graphic novel takes place immediately after the webisode series. Alter Nation, They Hide Hybrids, will be 50 pages for $14.99. Now, there is a flashback, something released to promote toy sales. I know, right? I was and you know what we have to say to that? There you go. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, there was something else I was watching uh, like this morning that was kind of talking about that stuff, but it was in talking about movie side of it, which I won't get into. Um, mm-hmm. n- next up is comic news site Newsarama be- to become part of Games Radar. And yes, folks, that is, this is what we've been hinting around for uh, the last... Well, a few, um, <laughs> a, a few articles that we were going over tonight. Uh, in a post late Friday, um, I guess this was uh, as of three days ago, uh, on the first. 
uh, four days ago, I guess. Whatever. Uh, Newsarama editor-in-chief Michael Doran revealed that the long-running comic book news site will become part of Games Radar Plus, a sister site covering video games. Both are owned by Future US, uh, a media company that owns dozens of brands and publishes 80 magazines and 568-plus bookazines a year, amongst many other uh, activities. And then Doran explains uh, the move in a lengthy letter, to which I would not get into. Um, but yes, they've been folded into Games Radar, so now their stuff comes under Radar, which means some links have been broken for us for the time being, and some mysteriously are not. Um, or at least uh, as of me pulling the articles for, for the stuff, which also means that there will be use. looks like there will be using, uh, game radar plus's, um, uh, um, uh, um, content thing behind the scenes and probably most notably, and I'm going to hate if this is going to happen because it looks like it will, uh, have auto playing videos on their stuff uh yeah i hate that i really do <laughs> although i don't know there is yep yeah, and actually we can i can confirm that in the article that's coming up in a little bit but i hate that so i had my issues with newsarama and their sometimes lack of editing but i do miss their concise reporting and the way their their site was laid out that's this is kind of sad that you know what you got to do what you got to do i understand that but this is this is probably going to suck for a minute or for a while, um, be honest. Um, yeah, and I guess this article also says that, yeah, this is pretty much uh, the number of standalone uh, comic sites has dropped to one, dropped by one, excuse me. So, yeah, and I can't even say that standalone is, is like that, because let's face it, CPR kind of, um, I guess, well, Comics Beat, this is where I got this article from, they still do the things, but like a lot of sites are kind of diversifying right now, so kind of getting other stuff that's slightly outside of purview. Anyway, that's kind of how things are going nowadays. Next. Next up, J.K. Rowling is releasing a new book chapter by chapter online for free. She's staggering the release of her new children's novel, The Ichabog. And uh, over the next seven weeks, publishing the book in tiny chapters online and making it available to readers for free. She is hosting the Ichabod on a new website with anywhere from a chapter or two or three being published at a time, according to Rowling's note. The first two chapters are available to read now, and although there's no description of what the story entails, the Ichabod seems to have more in common with traditional fairy tales. Picture faraway kingdoms with lords and kings. So um, it's not exactly Harry Potter, but it is something new to try. So uh, for all of you fans of J.K. Rowling and or Harry Potter or both, it's uh, something interesting to check out for free. Yeah, and it's not Harry Potter, so it's something different. See how she works with that, Mm -hmm. Uh, as said. Next up, Lupin the Third, where and where not to start watching the anime franchise. So, yeah, this is an article um, that is talking about the, the little bit of the history of Lupin the Third. Um, you know, the, the anime based off of a manga uh, of the same name. And, uh, you know, because apparently there's a CGI film that is coming up. And so they took, up, took it upon themselves to... Um, if you want to get caught up on Lupin the Third and whatnot, hey, here you go. This is you can read this article and find out where you where you might want to check it out. 
or what you want to check out. There is actually a lot to that series. Next up. The Fate series, a quick guide to watching the anime. So the Fate franchise exploded onto the anime scene in the last decade after UFO UFO tables? Uh, Adaptation of uh, Gen Urobuchi and Takeshi Takeuchi's light novel Fate Slash Zero in 2011. Not long after that, the Fate anime series experienced an enormous boom that spawned many, many sequels and multiple spin-offs. However, due to this very phenomenon, the Fate series has become one that is overwhelming for newcomers. So, uh, there is a guide that is published. Where is this published? Um, this is it's, I looked at this here on the site on on CBR. Okay, yeah. All right, so it's on CBR, so yeah, feel free to hop over to CBR and take a look at that guy. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, they weren't kidding. The that the fate the fate series uh, is kind of weird and a whole lot with it, in it. So yeah, if you're interested, you can go check that out. There's also some um, I know Get in a Robot did. Um, I think it was Get in a Robot, which is a pretty great um, YouTube uh, channel, uh, anime channel. You should check definitely check out. And I know Crunchyroll's probably done something also on the series if you really want to check out where to start with that stuff. Anyway, next up and final uh, of our news, uh, Netflix Phenom Tiger King comic book first look. Uh, you can check out the first pages from the inf- from infamous Tiger King. Uh, Tidal Wave Productions comic book biography inspired by Netflix phenomenon Tiger King is set for release on June 24th in both print and digital formats. Uh, Infamous Tiger King is a 24-page comic book written by Michael Frizzell and drawn by Joe Paradise with colors by Pablo Martinina. Um, Right now, the world needs a distraction, reads Tidal Wave's description. Perhaps that's why we're collectively riveted to Netflix's Tiger King. A murder mystery resembling an episode of news magazine Dateline. Tiger King introduced the world to the flamboyant Joe Exotic. You know what? Y'all know what Tiger King is. I don't have to explain it. And I have still not seen it. I know a lot of people have. And I keep... (laughs) And I keep uh, getting getting references to Carol Baskins in in all this. (laughs) And also the the, the recent Uh, news uh, uh, that apparently... That uh, she's got the tiger farm, uh, right? She's been some- awarded the uh, the uh, the former Joe Exotics uh, zoo cat zoo tiger zoo. Yes. So and, and apparently something yeah, I, something might have gotten forged. Also, uh, I, all I have to say is I definitely used some of my quarantine time to watch that, and it's just. Oh, this just—it's too much to unpack, <laughs> but the, the the memes will last forever. Indeed, uh, yes, and I don't know. Like I sometimes I'm like, you know what? There are certain cultures like guys that I'm I'm fine with not being a part of. Um, this may or may not be one of them, but we'll see. Anyway, that, folks, is the end of the news for tonight. And if you're watching the video, you see where we're going to next. But I'm going to cut away because first we're going to get to an ad read. All I was going to say is I would rather you finish cl- your rewatch of Clone Wars and finally get to uh, the, the last the final season that was just released on Disney Plus rather than waste your time with 
Tiger. Oh, that is exactly what I'm doing. In fact, I, I am in season four as we speak. I just got into season four. So I am making some pretty good headway now. All right. Sounds good. So our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. Where did I even do that? So, yes, now we get into the topic of the night, and I am so excited about this once again. Um, we are going to be talking about the 1994 Marvel Comics. No, 1984. 1984, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're right. We're going further back. Yes, yes. I don't know why, why 94 came up, but yes. 1984. Um... um Marvel Comics limited series West Coast Avengers four issue miniseries starring those lovable wackos and I say lovable because I love them um, and, and so we'll get into just a little bit of a, a little bit of background of what's going on a, around this time so this is fresh off of Secret Wars like pretty like matter of fact uh, episode uh, issue uh, two forty three. So in episode two forty three of Avengers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think the issue before the group that went to Secret Wars disappeared, or something like that, and then the next issue came back. Something like that. I can't remember. Regardless, issue two forty three is when they came back. At this time, Vision was pretty much saying that, um, and this was after. So there's a little bit of unpack here. Vision had been hurt a few issues prior to this and had been connected to the world computer on Titan, thanks to Star Fox, who was a member of the Avengers at this time. Star Fox of Erex, who uh, of of Eros, or excuse me, Eros of Titan, rather, uh, codenamed mm-hmm. Star Fox. He had been connected to the world, the world computer, whose name is Isaac, and somewhere in between there. Uh, started getting delusions of grandeur, and while the folks were off um, doing Secret Wars, he took over the chair of the Avengers and started hatching this plan to kind of make the Avengers a little uh, get get the Avengers out there a little bit in a broader sense. So one of the things happened to be um, the as a matter of fact, this happened when everybody came back from Secret Wars, and the then chairman who was Janet Van Dyne, the wasp gave vision the chairman's seat for whatever odd reason, which was kind of weird, but 
It happened. And one of his first uh, enactments was while he was going on his perfect tour and talking to the president and doing all sorts of other things was to establish a West Coast branch to which he had Hawkeye and Mockingbird, who were newly married at this time, thanks to the um, Hawkeye miniseries from a year prior to this. Uh, Hawkeye had his first miniseries in which he met um, Mockingbird and married at the end of uh, issue four. You should go check that out. It's a pretty good uh, miniseries. Anyway, um, um, Hawkeye, of course, went to Secret Wars, which uh, into Secret Wars, which means that uh, Mockingbird and Sue Storm, who was pregnant at the time, was low state was left behind, uh, and they stayed at the Avengers Mansion, trying to help out as they can. Anyway, Secret Wars is over. They all came back. Uh, Hawkeye and Mockingbird went out west. And 243 to 246 is when they called and said, hey, we're pretty much up and running. By the way, they got help from one person, not Tony Stark, and that was Bill Foster, who helped them put the compound together. Bill Foster, folks. R.I.P. Anyway, uh, which um, which leads us... I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, there was also a thing with the IRS, that race that the Avengers were dealing with, but it has nothing to do with this. Uh, so now going into, I think there might be something that I'm missing, but probably not. Oh, wait, no, there is something I'm missing. Um, Iron Man was not Tony Stark because Tony Stark was, um, um, let's just say, well, this was after Demon in the Bottle and this is after he's pretty much sobered up and was trying to get his uh, stuff back together and the loss of his Stark international if i'm not mistaken in his new company that he started up on the west coast so which means he was taking his time to do that and staying sober and not doing uh iron man shenanigans which he gave to jim rhodes uh roadie so the iron man that shows up here in the miniseries is jim rhodes no one knows that or at least, or at least off the bat, no one knows that because they all think it's still Tony. Because most of the people in the Avengers know who Tony is at this point. Uh, so, but that kind of comes out short, short and smoothly, which we will get into. Uh, and I think that's about it going into because I love some of the rest of the stuff. We'll find out during the course of the miniseries. Um, oh yeah, there's also some stuff that, that also from Thor that shows up, but I don't know what it is, so it doesn't really matter, but, um, right. It's, uh, well, when, when we get there, I'll just put in the, I'll fill the blank in for that. Ha! And speaking of the blank, let us get into the West Coast Avengers number one, which actually let me, um, I don't know if you did it on purpose or, or, or that was... But no, I didn't do it on purpose, but I got the I got the gist of the pun. Yes, yes, that was pretty good. Regardless, uh, West Coast Avengers number one, as you can see the um, the cover right there. You see it was seventy five cent, which I thought they went down to sixty. Uh, I thought it was sixty, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, sixty cents, uh, or at least the the cover that's in. Uh, Marvel Unlimited is priced at sixty cents. Yeah, so that's weird, and I think I, where I got this is seventy five. Now, granted. I don't know where this cover is coming from. Well, I know where I got this cover from, but I don't know. You know, as you maybe it's Canadian cover. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, it was definitely Marvel Unlimited had it for sixty cents, so that's kind of weird. Uh, regardless, you can see the cover here. You see Hawkeye. If you're watching the video, it's uh, Hawkeye. You know, and a cast of folks who may or may not be involved. Some of them definitely were not involved with this uh, with the story. As we get into it, 
right now. Um, so we start off with Hawkeye and Mockingbird at uh, Avengers. Well, well, first off, we start off with Hawkeye saying Avengers Assemble, because that's one thing you got to do in the course of a book. And, you know, him raising his bow high, that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess I should go ahead and say before we even get into it, this was written by Roger Stern, penciled by Bob Hall. Uh, Brett Breeder was the inker, Joe Rosen letterer. Colorist was Juliana Ferretter. Mark Grunwald was the editor, and Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. So now to continue, Mockingbird and Hawkeye are on the stage by themselves, and they talk about, you know, the coming together of the compound. Uh, and, you know, there's a little bit of the talk of, like, from Mockingbird talking about, I don't know if I'm kind of cut out to be an adventure because, you know, um, you know I, I don't have the caliber of the other folks, but Hawkeye's like, no, I'm an Avenger. I only get to shoot bow and arrows. Captain Avenger, he doesn't have powers. You know, and your shield, you know, your shield training makes you just as qualified as anybody else. So then they go and talk to uh, Jarvis, who then puts them in contact with Vision. And then we get the footnote to Avengers 246. And they talk about, yeah, hey, um, I got your message. And I heard that uh, everything's coming along over there. And uh, we'll be sending you some candidates you know, from, from a list we've got, but it's up to you to fill out the team. Um, and then I think it cuts to, um, it cuts to San Francisco where we see one Jessica drew, uh, not as spider woman, but she, we know she is. In fact, I'm, I'm trying to remember at this point, was she, did she, was she in between spider woman rose? Cause, or she was just a detective. I can't remember what she meant was, but regardless, her time. I mean, this goes back a long way. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was a, little, a little hazy about that part because I know she, there's, you know, that character has gone some, through some stuff. Um, but she's at this point a private detective, and Tiger was working with her. Who uh, and they were talking about a case, and then Tiger gets a message from the Vision saying, you know, a, a kind of cryptic message saying, "Hey, go out to this place." which we'll find out where she ends up in a minute. She kind of dips out from Jessica Drew, who gets kind of gets uh, worried about it because she didn't, because Tiger, for some strange reason, didn't tell her what was going on um, and calls out to someone to help her, you know, see what's going on with Tiger. Um, then we cut to a movie set where it looks like a James Bond character is doing it. Come to find out it's Simon Williams, AKA wonder man, who is a stunt man working on his film. Uh, a stunt happens. And but he's all right because he's Wonder Man and he's invulnerable and people but still people are still worried about him and uh, but have no real reason to to worry about him. Uh, he goes to his trailer because there's a beeping in there. He goes in there, and checks it out, come to find out it is that same cryptic message from or it's going to be that same message from Vision, uh, and he flies off with his jumpsuit and jetpack or jet the uh, jets his side jets, whatever in his jumpsuit that I kind of wish he had still right now. Uh, at this point also, uh, Simon is, you know, wonder man is kind of un- still unsure about himself. He's been that way off and on forever and a day. So that's nothing real new, but uh, we will not get to it in this mini series, but he kind of takes a turn in his character or one of the turns in his character during the course of the West coast Avengers series. Anyway, then we cut to uh, Iron Man, a.k.a. Jim Rhodes, who's flying above, um, I think it's Silicon Valley. And he gets the same message and is told to meet um, at what we will know to be Avengers Compound uh, out in Palos Verdes, where he meets up with Tiger, who shows up from the airport. 
uh, who thinks she knows who this is. But again, like I said, uh, this Jim, this is Jim Rhodes underneath the uh, suit and they don't know this and he doesn't tell her this right off the bat. Um, and, um, he, uh, he, he helps tiger off with a court court her coat, uh, to which she's like, Oh, Oh my. And then Hawkeye makes some, you see a shadowy figure, which we will find out who that is in a minute. Uh, Hawkeye then explains the situation to Tigra and, uh, Iron Man, you know, and, um, Iron Man's kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't know. Um, but also Tiger's like, eh, I don't know if I wanted to, if I, if I'm going to join or not, cause I'm not too sure about my, what, you know, what I'm doing right now. Um, and then Iron Man kind of reassures her, but then somebody breaks in and the, the, these, uh, would be adventures end up going after them. They finally, uh, catch up to who we find out is the shroud. Thanks to wonder man coming and give him a tackling him. Uh, but not without going through a couple of pages of the chase throughout the, the, the compound with uh mockingbird and Hawkeye, uh, you know, almost catching them, but not really. And Tigra also like knowing who this is, you know, kind of figures out quickly who it is and goes to, um, goes to find said person. Iron Man catches up to him, gives him a chase, but, you know, loses them. And this is when we get Wonder Man tackle. Uh, and they all talk about what happens because Tiger comes and keeps Wonder Woman, Wonder Man from, from knocking his block off. But Shroud is hurt. And we took, cause we come to find out that this is the Shroud who is, he's, I guess he's a superhero. He's basically a superhero that's that's, that's playing a gangster uh, in uh, San Francisco to keep, kind of keep his cover. Like I think he was doing some things around this time. I don't remember, but he's he's comes uh, in and off of the the West Coast Avengers at times, and this is just the first one. So, uh, so the shroud the shroud basically you know says what he's doing. He was the one that was sent by Jessica Drew. Uh, to look for Tigra and Tigra was like, oh yeah, it's my fault because I didn't tell Jessica uh, what was going on. And then Hawkeye propositions to Shroud as a member uh, to be a member of the Wackos, uh, which he declines. And there in uh, in the first issue of the book after Wonder after Wonder Man's like, uh, hey, you want to tell me what's going on here? And then uh, Hawkeye said, all right, well, let me tell y'all over again what happened since you weren't here. And therein leads the, uh, ends the book, this issue. All right, so we move on to the second issue of the four-issue limited series. The title of the story is called Blanking Out, and this is the reason for the pun that uh, Roddy Cat picked up on that I inadvertently made uh, as I was discussing our, uh, uh, our uh, you know, basically helping the introduction to our topic for this week. So um, this issue, again, I believe is roughly the same creative team. It's Roger Stern on scripts, Bob Hall on pencils, Brett Breeding, Breeding on inks, Diana Albers on letters, Juliana Ferreter on colors, uh, and Mark Grunwald is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the ed- editor in chief. We open the 
the second issue of this four-issue limited series with a training session in which Jim Rhodes' Iron Man is basically playing the bad guy and Hawkeye, Mockingbird, and Tigra um, are depicted as um, trying to take him out and using various team-based tactics to uh, do their best to take him out. They eventually bring down Iron Man out of the sky, but Iron Man... Uh, quickly turns the tables on the three new West Coast Avengers and uh, they basically break up this little training session by saying, you know, uh, we're just going to keep on working on, uh, you know, working on our, on our, um, on our tactics. Um, we uh, we uh, transition to, well, just before we transition to the next uh, scene, both Tigra and Iron Man have little uh, inner monologues about what uh, they're going through in terms of their personal conflicts and considering whether or not they really want to stay with the West Coast Avengers um, uh, moving forward. Uh, We transition to Simon Williams uh, moving out of his uh, kind of cheap apartment because that's what's implied. It's a prefab house, so he basically lifts up one wall of the house and takes it off the frame of the building so that he can get all of his gear out and puts it back with his with his uh, super strength. He is chatting with one of his uh, Hollywood friends when uh, he's discussing this. So as he packs up his crate to be brought back to the Avengers West Coast compound. The, uh, the two of them, uh, Wonder Man, uh, Simon Williams, and this Hollywood friend are going to, I guess, the bank. And they happen to be there just when a bank robbery occurs. And the bank robber is someone, and I love the old school effect. I think, I believe this is Zipatone uh, inking. It's a material that basically has a dot matrix look to it. And they, an artist basically would just cut it with uh, a, uh, um, uh, a razor or an exacto knife that's the that's the uh, the name brand i was thinking of and they would lay over the outline that they wanted to um uh, uh, create this effect in so i believe this is zipatone um that they used to create the effect for the bank robber who is able to deflect bullets from one of the bank guards and um allow himself to uh, escape Wonder Man's clutches despite Wonder Man having a, uh, a, a point blank shot with his 90 plus ton uh, uh, strength uh, rating right into this uh, bank robber and he's able to survive it and basically slither or wriggle a- away from uh, Wonder Man. Uh, he gets away, and we transition to a scene in which the bank robber is gloating, and we get a little bit of backstory on the bank robber who basically happens upon a disgruntled Stark Enterprises employee. And we have a, you know, we, there's a little bit of 
background in which you know we talk about where where this uh, disgruntled employee talks about the change in ownership between Stark Enterprises and Stain International, I believe it was called, and this disgruntled employee <laughs> instead of being patient and waiting for a bus decides to walk out into the middle of the street and gets his, himself run over by a car. He happens to be carrying some highly uh, powerful technology which um, provides the wearer with a personal force field. And this personal force field is what gives this um, anonymous person uh, the ability to perform these uh these, uh, these, this particular robbery with the effect of having a force field that masks his identity and gives him um, a personal force field that coats his entire surface of, of his, the, the entire surface of his body. But what's teased is that is that there is an entity that is connected to this power source at the very end of this recap. We transition to the West Coast Avengers in their compound talking about what just happened to Simon Williams, who is not very happy about having let a bank robber get the best of him. This is someone who can trade punches with Thor and the Hulk, and he's not very pleased with his performance. So the rest of the team decides to um, chip in when... uh, it seems that Wonder Man is dead set on going out on his own, but the rest of the team does convince him to uh, participate in, uh, uh, you know, participate with some teamwork. So each wacko decides to take up uh, a search for this character who proves to not be very hard to find. The blank, as he's uh, been dubbed decides to do another uh, robbery. In this case, it is not of a bank, but of an armored car that is doing its pickups from uh, various uh, businesses. In this case, it is a restaurant. And Mockingbird is the first Avenger to happen upon this uh, uh, this particular robbery gone awry because she is listening to the police bands while she is uh, driving around in a custom convertible. I love it. Uh, the blank tries to make a break for it and is cut off by Hawkeye. Iron Man jumps into the fray and the three try to um, do a pincer move on the blank. The blank decides to knock over some gas pumps and the resulting sparks from him knocking over the gas pumps uh, produce a large explosion that covers his escape, uh, forcing Iron Man, uh, Hawkeye, and Mockingbird to go into uh, civilian and property-saving mode. Uh, you know, Iron Man is, uh, essentially finds a dump truck with sand in it to, to uh, smother the fire. Uh, Wonder Man and Tigra get there too late, and the frustration of the Avengers continues. We cut to the blank uh, getting 
well, basically realizing that he is in over his head. He's looking to maybe make a quiet break for it and looks to charge up his device, his personal force field, one more time. And the tease that I mentioned earlier about uh, an entity being part of this power source or at least being connected to this power source takes uh, center stage when a character we have not seen in some time decides to appear and we turn and it turns out to be um drum roll please graviton and it's graviton who uh i guess uh maybe wasn't connected to this particular uh uh uh, source of power, but what he, but uh, this will be described further in the next issue that Roddy Cat will cover. But at the end of the day, Graviton learns what he's missed, and he finds out that the blank is uh, is being pursued by the Avengers. And Graviton says, uh, "You know, I think." I can help you. You don't have to worry about the adventures again and introduces himself to the blank. Yep. And that ends our second issue, which leads us into issue three of the four issue limited series of West coast Avengers. Uh, the, the title of this one is called taking care of business. Um, feel free to sing it if you want to, uh, same hey. Care of business every day. Uh, pretty much the same uh, creative staff, with the exception of the letterer. So it's Roger Stern writing, Bob Hall, uh, Brett Brader, which you might as well go ahead and say, you know, they are pretty much going to be the ones on all of these. The letterer is probably going to change, and everybody else. Uh, look, Rick Parker is the letterer on this one, but everyone else uh, that has been attached to these issues are the same. So, getting into it, so the, on the, uh, we get into it there, the, the, the West Coast Avengers are seen trying to clean up from a snowstorm. So, if you think uh, it never rains in Southern California, well, snow is also another issue that doesn't normally happen, but it's going on. But apparently that is something that is was going on in the pages of the Mighty Thor at the time, so I don't know if I can have any notes. This is yeah. This is the blank I was going to fill in earlier. Ha ha ha! I said blank. Essentially, this is related to the story in Thor, wherein Malekith um, had uh, uh, hatched a plot to crack open the casket of ancient winters, and it was the casket that loosed upon the earth the ancient winters and produced uh, winter. You know, like super freezing. And, um, and and basically winter-like effects across the entire globe. So it's cool to see some continuity being maintained in the pages of this book. Indeed, and you know, and there's there's uh, shadows of it I don't know, because there's been some allusions to uh, Secret Wars also, which was actually going on, which was basically. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, going on at the time, but we already saw them kind of come and go from it. It's just that the the monthly issues of were still kind of playing out at this one, if I'm not mistaken. So, anywho, um, so there's that. You see, Wonder Man and Iron and Iron Man trying to clean up the highway, and they're talking. Um, Wonder Man still kind of bummed about the blank getting away, and that was apparently weeks prior. So, which actually, I will go ahead and say this right now because this is kind of a thing that's that's. Um, 
with Wonder Man and the team at large because at this point they're all kind of feel like they are not good enough to be Avengers and they feel like they have something to prove and Hawkeye has always felt like that so that kind of goes without saying but regardless um, so Wonder Man's still kind of bummed about the blank getting away and as they're cleaning this up so Iron Man's kind of having some inner uh, Jim Roach kind of having some inner monologue with himself about uh, the weather and Wonder Man and you know things like that but then we cut to a robbery because, you know, the snow brings out the folks, um, folks, you know, trying to rob places, which Mockingbird kind of uh, comes in and uh, stops along with Hawkeye on a Sky Cycle, which, by the way, that Sky Cycle came out of that miniseries also. So if you wonder where that Sky Cycle uh, came from, that you see him in probably the animated versions of Avengers, that's pretty much where it came in. Um, but yeah, they stopped the robbers. Uh, but also Tigra uh, comes in and helps get the remaining robbers who tried to get away in their station wagon, uh, gets them away and, and kind of holds them until the police comes. Um, they all meet at the Hollywood sign uh, where Wonder Woman, oh, it's going to be Wonder Woman. I'm going to do that oh, a couple of times. So forgive me for that. Wonder Man uh, joins up the group with the group and they're like, Hey, you know what? The, the weather at this point pretty much ended. So I guess whatever happened in Thor, uh, finish, finished happening and weather came back to normal. So Hawkeye and the crew are talking. I was like, you know what? We did some good work while whatever that freak weather was, um, that they don't know anything about as of yet. So let's have a barbecue. The first annual barbecue, which actually, um, reminds me of their, um, Baseball games that they end up having in, in annuals and such, which those are also great reads, by the way. The the East Coast versus West Coast um, uh, baseball games end up being some good issues. Anyway, uh, so yeah, there's a barbecue tonight, uh, and Wonder Woman, Wonder Man's like, yeah, sure, I'll be there, but he's still bummed, so he just kind of flies off. Um, Hawkeye goes to pick up some steaks. Uh, uh, Tigra kind of makes up an excuse so that he can she can talk to Iron Man, who she thinks is Tony Stark, because she's worried about uh, Wonder Man. So she's like, "Hey, Tony, could you talk to him since you've known him the longest?" And this is when Jim Rhodes reveals himself to not be Tony Stark. Not necessarily Jim reveals who he is, but he pretty much takes off one of the gauntlets and shows his hand, which is not white. And Tigra's like, "Oh, okay, sorry, I didn't know, but." Um, but then Rhodey's like, Hey, I'll talk to him if you want to, but he'd much rather, I'm sure it'll come better for somebody who looks way better than him talking about her. Um, and of course, if you don't know Tiger, she's pretty much a cat lady in a bikini. So yeah, take that from with the list. Then we cut to Graviton who basically says that, uh, yeah, he took over somebody's place, uh, while the, all the strange weather is going on. And then we get a flashback to, um, I guess it was like Thor 324 where uh, he was dispatched by Thor uh, and put into suspended animation and then coincidentally um, the, the coming of the Beyonder during Secret Wars or, or prior to Secret Wars wakes him up out of this uh, suspended animation in whatever place he was in and of course we see where last issue he gets released from where he uh, was by way of the blank charging his belt. So the, the blank comes in and um, so the blank comes in and says, Hey, you know, I did what you asked me for. The message has been delivered. 
you've done the thing and then them two talk the the blank is like look i'm still kind of nervous i'm not trying to not used to going up against the vendors uh graviton's like look i will handle them don't you worry about them he's going up against them before uh and then the blank's like yeah but i heard you got your butt handed to you and then graviton's like look i will launch you into space don't play with me and i will turn off your powers in the process so you do not want to mess with me Blank's like, all right, cool, I get it, but I'm just a dude, you know, with the things, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm along with you for the ride, but without my, my shield, I'm nothing. So, and then uh, Graviton says he vows to get even with the Avengers because he's got something to prove also. So that is kind of a thing that's kind of going on through this whole thing. Uh, Tiger catches up with Wonder Man, who's on the beach, and then they talk about, you know, their various issues uh, personal issues about you know not belonging to the team you know with the team because we go through uh wonder man's backstory just a little bit briefly about his death and return and being back with the, the avengers and uh that one ep that one uh, issue of the avengers with their own david letterman show which that's an interesting one uh and then tiger decides to uh, oh yeah and then he goes up into his um coming into his stuntman uh, position with the movies and he's quite comfortable and likes that but so he's like yeah i got that but also i still want to do this this uh avengers thing right and kind of uh be better again like i said once we find out that the the, the simoines kind of ho- always have confident issues either he's overconfident or not confident enough in his abilities and that kind of in the early part of the the main series that kind of gets to be an issue um but then, like I said, Tigra talks about um, her issues about coming back to the Avengers and whatnot, and she also reveals herself or her, her human form um, of uh, Greer Garson Nelson, which folks will probably know that if they know and love Tigra. Uh, she also explains that where she got their pendant on her bikini that makes that lets her transform back and forth from human to uh, to Catwoman. Uh, no relation to DC's Catwoman, but she basically says, and I don't know if this, this part held up, but apparently the pendant allows her to, it's like a hologram of her becoming human. So she's still her underneath it, but she becomes, but so, which is, I think gets explained totally different or it gets explained away like later in later issues. Cause she's actually turning human and not, and it's not just a facade. Uh, but again, that gets explained in the main uh, West Coast Adventures ongoing series. And like I said, we get a little bit of her backstory and and I promise to come back to it at some point in time. And I believe that came out of Marvel Chiller, her her backstory. Or something, I can't remember. I think Marvel Chiller was when she first first came up. And I think there was something else that probably did a little bit more expanding on what she was talking about. Unless there's a footnote in one of these issues. I do remember seeing it. Yeah, th- this a, one says. No. Yeah, and this one says reminds us to tell us about it, tell you about it sometime. And I think that might be alluding to what happens in the main um, West Coast Avengers series coming up because that happens like episode, uh, issue like five or six is when they start going to the cat people stuff. Okay. Yeah, so that might be talking about that and not necessarily the origin because the origin is out there and they would have alluded to it by now, but by, by this point, anyway. So they continue to talk. To, um, Tiger kind of makes. Um, 
kind of kind of kind of makes uh wonder man feel a, a little bit better they kind of you know pick up themselves about how they handled each other in, in the snow uh thing but then there's like you know hey uh wonder man is still kind of bummed about the blank getting away so tiger's like all right fine we're gonna go see somebody and and see if we can do something about this because you're not going to give this up apparently they go into this jazz club called the cats jazz club where the the shroud i forgot to mention in issue one said hey if you ever need me you know you can come here and i'll help you uh, help you out uh so tiger and wonder man go there the place has been ramshackled some folks got beat up and the folks in there are like hey uh, i we're not trying to talk to you but then the shroud shows up um uh, and and that's what's going on there. And then the the people that's in there was like, yeah, some some muscle hard muscle kind of came and bust up the joint. Um. Uh, and uh, Tiger's like, well, we should call the police. Tara's like, no, because then my cover would be blown with the other gangs, and I'd look weak. So we don't want to do that. Um. And Wonder Wonder Man's like, hey, you know, at least let us help you out because you know I, I busted up your ribs back a while back. But um, and the Shroud again says, hey, you know, don't worry about it because again, I got to stand in with the games to to worry about. Um, but what you could do is kind of help me out into this thing. And sure enough, and Wonder Man and the Shroud goes undercover. Well, excuse me, the Wonder Man goes undercover. The Shroud closes himself to this one thing and. Uh, Tiger's kind of running, running lookout basically. Um, to where the shot kind of goes in, then they uh, they find the blank. Um, uh, Wonder Man attacks the, with the the, the the blank in the skies, where he gets lifted into the air using some gravity powers. Um, and the shroud is weighed down a ton, so they don't know that graviton is around. They end up getting knocked each other out, but thanks to an unknown source, but like I said, it's Graviton. Um, the blank finds out that Wonder Man is uh, is Wonder Man in disguise. Tiger jumps through the, uh, through the window, tries to uh, attack uh, the blank, and then Graviton shows himself, takes out Wonder Man by, by making him heavy as heck, and just ramshackles the whole room and pins everybody up against the wall. Um, Wonder Man decides. Well, not decides. Wonder Man actually gets enough strength to break out, or at least come back to uh, where the the graviton is. Graviton puts a little bit more pressure <laughs> on um, Wonder Woman. Wonder Man. I'm going to. I gotta stop saying that. I really do. I apologize, folks. Um, when he throws Tigro the blank. And the shroud out of a window into the ocean. Then we cut back to Avengers compound where Hawkeye is uh, slaving over a hot barbecue with uh, Jim Rhodes, Iron Man watching. Um, and Michael Burke comes in and says, Hey, we hadn't heard from Tiger and Wonder Man. So um, we, and their radios aren't working. So we might want to go check up on them. And then we cut back to, the back to the scene of the party where Graviton is holding Wonder Man underwater at the pool uh, and having some fun at uh, his well, not having some fun. He's trying to kill him, but I mean, Wonder Man is unkillable at this point. And that's where this issue ends. In fact, it says at the end of the issue, the breathtaking conclusion 
get it because on Wonder Man's underwater. Next issue. Indeed. Which leads us to issue number four, the finale of the four part miniseries. The uh, creative team on this is slightly different. Uh, Roger Stern is again the writer. Bob Hall provides breakdowns while Brett Breeding and Peter Berardi are the finishers. Joe Rosen is the letterer and Ken Fedunowicz is the colorist. So actually, weird so, enough on this, on I'm sorry, um, the the cover on Marvel on the Limit also says seventy five cents. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I, I think at that time the price change took effect. Probably because I know there was some, yeah, cause a couple of issues about the right time. Right, because yeah. a couple of issues early, it was absolutely sixty cent, and I remember when it, I remember getting the stuff like when it actually came out, and I was like, "Why is it going up? What's going on here?" Anyway, continue. Yeah, I definitely remember. Um, I definitely remember the time period in which the t- the prices did change from sixty to seventy five cents, and if that makes us all sound old to you youngins out there, you damn. Right. Yep. Because I remember so, at the time it was like, "Damn you, Secret Wars!" But I don't think it was Secret Wars' issue. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Secret Wars' problem. Right. You know, to be honest, you know, I think back on it now, and I think about what we spend um, weekly on books. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. You know, for the love of the game, right? Yep. Yep. So, but uh, in any event, getting back to this issue. Um, feel free to chime in because this is the last issue. Um, we open with Tigra surfacing for air with the shroud in tow. She somewhere keeps her emergency Avengers in on that bikini and she activates it while giving us a quick recap of the events of last issue in which the three of the the uh, two Avengers and the shroud, the guest star shroud, got their butts handed to them by Graviton, and that's that's nothing to be ashamed about. Graviton, you know, despite being kind of a corny villain, has some really, really in, has a pretty intense power set that, if you know, used correctly, can really make him a force to be reckoned with. Uh, so as Tigra is wondering whether or not they're going to be saved in time. Iron Man, Jim Rhodes, descends on their scene in response to the emergency beacon and brings them to the Avengers compound where Tigra is able to relay what happened and that uh, Wonder Man is being held captive by Graviton. So we get to the big reveal of this issue, which is... Drum roll, please. In conversation uh, regarding, you know, in conference regarding uh, their their plan to approach Graviton, it basically comes out that um, Jim Rowe, you know, it basically comes out that Iron Man isn't familiar with uh, Avengers history as he, you know, as Hawkeye expects him to be, because obviously Hawkeye thinks that it's, uh, if not Tony Stark, at least Iron Man underneath, you know, the previous person he thought was Iron Man underneath the armor. But it turns out that, uh, this is the time for Rhodey to reveal himself to, um, the Avengers West coast division. And it even comes out when, um, 
it even gets revealed that uh, they worked. They actually had already worked together during uh, the Beyonder Secret War. Mm-hmm. So uh, once that comes out, Hawkeye basically flashes back to his own uh, his own uh, responses to uh, you know possibly being not ready or not fit or not. Uh, or just being kind of a, a hot-headed when it comes to his interactions with Captain America uh, when he was still a new Avenger. So uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting way to uh, have the two characters relate to each other. Well, so back up real quick because basically the way Hawkeye said it was was well. I, and granted, this is not a, not out of the pocket for for Hawkeye because he usually puts his foot in his mouth um, at least at this time a whole whole lot. Yeah, so before that actually happens, when when uh, when Rhodey reveals himself, he basically says that it, yeah, he became Iron Man when um, was when Tony Stark was incapacitated, aka Demon in a Bottle. Um, you know, you should go check that out because it's a really good read. Uh, Iron Man one seventy, as it says here in the footnote, and this is when I, uh, Hawkeye was like, "You mean to tell me I've been working all this time with an amateur Iron Man?" and and um, and to which Rhodey's like, look, I know I'm still kind of a rookie, but you know, I was like, yeah, I helped y'all out a great deal when uh, the aforementioned Secret Wars. So, and and that's when this is when Hawkeye and and relates to Rhodey with this, and then they get to go in on the avenging. Right. So, getting back to the story. Um Basically, uh, Hawkeye apologizes for calling him an amateur, but uh, we we move on to their battle plan and Mockingbird's shield agent training proves to be very helpful when uh, she's able to get her hands on or at least pull up the files on uh, the maps of the I guess it's another. I guess it's an estate. Yeah, it's a. It's an estate in Santa Monica that uh, that Graviton has basically taken over. So she's able to get uh, Landsat maps. You know, talk about Google Earth being uh, very much in the future still. So um, we flash to the Santa Monica retreat that Graviton has taken over. From I guess what we didn't uh, what we didn't um, describe is that Graviton has basically taken over. Uh, I don't know if this was in a previous issue that Graviton basically took over a crime syndicate. Yes. You know, like a crime family. Yeah, that's basically so, what he was alluding to when he said, uh, "Yeah, I think when I was talking about it, I kind of glossed over it a little bit." But yeah, he took over this this crime syndicate in his house, like on the low while the the Avengers. Uh, was taking right. care of the snowstorm stuff, right? So, so essentially, uh, Graviton and the Blank have created a base of operations for themselves, and as uh, crime families and crime syndicates are wont to do, they are throwing a party. <laughs> you know, every, you know, there's plenty of men there trying to get, um, trying to get some with uh, very pretty ladies and. Uh, we have, uh, you know, even pretty bartenders, and that is going to come back later. So uh, there is a party crasher uh, here looking to speak to the latest 
player on the organized crime scene, that being, um, who is this guy? How do they announce him? Uh, well, some dude with a gun and, uh, and, uh, Madam Mask, a known, um, member of the Magia, AKA the mafia in the Marvel universe, a known member of the Magia. And, uh, that brings, uh, instant credibility to her and gets her audience, an audience with Graviton. Graviton is obviously very impressed with uh, Madame Mask. She is, you know, she is of some renown, and he knows that she is a regular foe of Iron Man. Graviton shows off by showing where he has imprisoned Wonder Man underneath a pool, thinking that he can actually kill Wonder Man by drowning him by pinning him to the bottom of a pool. And I'm thinking, well, you don't exactly know this guy, Graviton, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. uh, Madam Mask basically, oh, it calls him Louis. Louis or Louis? So the, the gentleman that came in with Madam Mask has a look of shock and horror on his face when he sees Wonder Man pinned underneath the pool. Madam Mask slaps him, smacks the taste out of his mouth, and smacks some sense into him. And, uh, and uh, as, the two, uh, as the two villains are talking about this, lo and behold, they are... Uh, Assaulted by some kind of errant shooting, like why is he shooting the pool, right? But basically, we have um, we have an all-out frontal assault by Iron Man Jim Rhodes. Uh, Graviton is able to put up a gra gravitic force field around himself and Madame Mask to protect from the repulsor rays. Louis, Madame Mask's. Um, uh, valet slash bodyguard gets uh, shot away from the scene and uh, Iron Man is basically taking on all of these wannabe gangsters uh, you know by deflecting all their bullets but Graviton decides decides to uh, use Iron Man as um, a ping pong ball and throw in, and knocks him against several surfaces meanwhile Wonder Man at the bottom of the pool is able to finally lift a finger now that Graviton is being distracted in battle. Remember the bartender I referred to earlier? She is Mockingbird in disguise, and she has played a role in the story that will become evident uh, sooner rather than later. So Hawkeye is ra she radios Hawkeye and says they're going to put Phase Two into motion. Or into operation. Iron Man is getting the, uh, the stuffing smashed out of him, but he's up for another round uh, with Graviton. Wonder Man is slowly getting uh, getting over the, gra the, the gravitic uh, pressure that Graviton is placing upon him as Iron Man is putting more and more force on Graviton. Mockingbird joins the fray, as does Hawkeye. That gives Graviton more stuff to deal with, and Wonder Man is shown to be getting uh, more uh, more advantage against the, gra the gravity that's being placed on him. 
we find out that the um, that the man that had come in with Madame Mask was in fact uh, Hawkeye because apparently that was a dummy Hawkeye that came in on the Sky Cycle and got knocked over. So um, that was a pretty funny thing. I like the art that was that depicted that it was a Hawkeye dummy. Like there was like stitching across where the mouth and the nose would be. So you know that was pretty uh, that was pretty amusing to see. So as a result of all of the distractions placed on uh, Graviton, Wonder Man is able to exert sufficient. Uh, uh, exert sufficient strength or force against it and he's able against the gravity and he's able to get out of the pool and not graviton on his tuchus we get iron man swooping in to pick up madame mask obviously that is his one of his arch nemeses um graviton yells out come back with her i love it it's so so corny but we get <laughs> We get a caption and a thought bubble. I love thought bubbles. This brought me back. <laughs> we get a thought bubble from Graviton that says, My head feels numb, but the rush of air seems to help. I must rescue Madam Mask. This will come up very shortly. So, uh, Madam Mask uh, uh, is, is, is heard screaming, by uh, Graviton hears her screaming and he lands just as uh, someone else calls out behind you. Uh, we find Jim Rhodes hooked up to a local uh, power substation, which feeds the entire Southwestern power grid with electricity. And this is a callback to uh, a move from secret wars that, uh, that uh, Rhodey and Hawkeye re- referenced in that issue, in the issue prior. Yep. Where no, no, actually, with, it was earlier this issue. Oh, was it earlier this issue? I apologize. I think so. I think, so. Yeah. Uh, I, think you, I think you're right. But what they were referring to is an ep- uh, a scene in Secret Wars number four, after Molecule Man had dumped an entire mountain range upon the heroes, and the Hulk and some other strong characters had shoved out a small space to keep themselves from getting crushed. Reed Richards basically doctored up some uh, some energy relays using several pieces of technology, including Hawkeye's trick arrows. And listen, you got to love that I'm doing this straight from the dome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 uh, and some circuitry from Spider-Man's web shooters mm-hmm. that he plays into events later on in Secret Wars, but getting back to this uh, little yeah, uh, tangent, and I believe the, it was powered by Captain Marvel and somebody else. The human Torch. Yeah, it was the Human Torch. That's right. So the Human Torch, the Human Torch channels his Nova Flame, and Captain Marvel is channeling all of the energy from the electromagnetic spectrum into these power relays hooked up to Iron Man's power pods. And this is and, Monica Rambo, by the way. We should make that point. Yes, this is Monica Rambeau and uh, Iron Man basically with all of this power 
pumped into the Iron Man suit, uses his repulsor rays to punch through the side of several mountains in a mountain range so that the heroes can emerge into onto the, the planet's surface. Meanwhile, Thor had been uh, smashing at the mountain because he had heard uh, heard about what happened from the villains and had uh, escaped a battle with them so that he could try to rescue his friends. And his mightiest blows were being interpreted by the heroes underneath the mountains as tapping, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. That's what Reed heard underneath when he said, uh, shoot that way towards the tapping. So right. you got to love it, man. Pull it yeah. right off the dome. That's pretty boom, good. Boom, pan for panel. You did so, say that the Hulk. You did say that the Hulk was keeping up the mountain. Oh yes, I was about to say I did. I did leave that out because I I, I, I presume that everyone knows this is what's going on. And the Hulk is holding up the mountain because that's what's on the cover. Yeah, and so, not only that, because not only that, just as a as a quick side, because like Hulk was Hulk was Banner was in in uh, was was uh, in charge of the Hulk, so it wasn't like dumb Hulk. So, but during this time of Secret War, he was kind of slowly kind of getting dumber i guess or, or that's the case for me so basically it was kind of going back and forth yeah, yeah it was kind of going back and forth and it was like well so now so they were like and so the hulk was holding up this big mountain range and you know wasn't sure if he could hold it but so i think hawkeye somebody had got the idea to kind of make him upset or was it spider-man or hawkeye i can't remember who no it was richards it was reed you sure it was yeah. Reed. yeah positive Positive Reed was being a jerk. I mean, we all know that Reed is easily one of the biggest jerks in the Marvel universe, but he was definitely being snippy just to keep, uh, just to keep the Hulk madder, right? Uh, getting mad so that he wouldn't lose his strength and just keep getting stronger. Exactly. So that's and then that's when this whole other plan got enacted, and you know, and I think as a matter of fact, it, even when they got off, it was like Hulk was like, yeah, "Look, I know what you were doing, Reed, or whoever. Yeah, like I know what yep. you were doing, but try that again." You 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 gonna catch these hands? <laughs> so anyway, anyway, back to, the, back to the West Coast Adventures. <laughs> this is definitely uh, uh, almost a direct reference to that particular issue and the events happening on the Beyonders uh, battle world because Iron Man is hooked up to a whole lot of power and Graviton's like, all right, um, I'll you know I'll, I'll take you up on that challenge. Iron Man basically zaps Graviton and basically overloads himself and overloads the relays. Um, While Graviton is down and Iron Man is down, Iron Man is waiting for his systems to reboot. While Graviton is down, he's a little bruised and shaken, but otherwise he's fine. Madam Mask comes on the scene and knocks... Uh, and, 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 and makes a, and, and hits Graviton with a right cross. She tears off her mask and reveals herself to be Tigra. In her human so this, form. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. In her so this whole time, right. This whole time, Madam Mask was Tigra masquerading. So as Graviton puts up a field to, uh, to uh, to keep Tigro away, and I think this has been revealed over the last several pages. It turns out Mockingbird, as the bartender at Graviton's party, had been slipping him drugs in mixed in with his drinks to help hinder his thinking and concentration, and that is uh, alluded to in several panels where. 
they're they're surprised that he is as strong as he is, given the fact that Mockingbird had basically slipped them a whole bunch of Mickey's the entire night. Which I'm going to interject here and say that this is slightly ironic, given what happens in the pages of the West Coast Avengers uh, ongoing later on down the line, because right. Mockingbird herself gets, uh, let's say, roofied and yes. kidnapped and taken away and assaulted by the phantom stranger mm-hmm. which causes ends up causing uh, an issue between her and Mike, uh, her and hawkeye which well, it's not the phantom. it's not the phantom stranger it's the phantom rider is phantom it? rider excuse me excuse me you're right yeah i was about to say we're crossing dc marvel yeah no right yeah i was like you're right it's the phantom rider and that has been a, a sticky that is based pretty much what led to them getting divorced later on much later on down in history and it was also kind of weird also because that we don't know we're not going to get into it tonight but that caused a whole big riff between not only them two but between the team and that also ended up uh being what caused force works to come about sort of um Actually, no, not even sort of, but definitely. And it, it was whole weird. Because this was kind of one of those things I really kind of hated around this time. Because I'm like, there was no reason, there was no real reason for them to have that, to, to have to, to them have that fight. But I know this is kind of get away from what's going on here and now. But like I said, this is a little bit, a little later history in the West Coast Avengers thing. Um, to which we, we, we may or may not get to. I don't know. We had talked about it. But if we get around to it, we might. Um... But getting yet, back to the main story. But getting back to what's the adventure. Just to yes. finish this up. What were you saying? No, no, go ahead. I'm going to let you go for it. Okay. Yeah, just to finish up the main story, Iron Man and Wonder Man continue the frontal assault, and Graviton is still able to push them back. But Graviton himself starts to realize that somehow he's been drugged. Uh, Hawkeye fires some gas arrows at him. Uh, she, he's with Mockingbird. The gas starts to uh, uh, get to Graviton. Graviton does put down some of the gas uh, with his gravity powers, and and he and as he is um, grandstanding and and saying that I've held off twice as many of you at bay. You cannot hope to stop me. You hear? I am Graviton. Gravi and the Mickey's finally with the gas take their cumulative effect and graviton goes down so these avengers who you would be fair it would be kind of fair to say that this particular group of avengers is slightly underpowered granted they are only five granted they are only five it's not the full complement of six that at this point in history we had gotten a little used to um these avengers basically found a way to take down one of the more powerful avengers opponents the press make their way to the site of the battle the cops take away graviton as he is knocked out and uh the the issue ends with um, the wackos finally having their barbecue and celebrating the big win over Graviton. Um, lots of personal issues get uh, kind of uh, 
discussed during the barbecue. Uh, the vision shows up on FaceTime or Skype or Zoom or whatever it was called in the 80s. Oh, no, it didn't exist. That means this was totally ahead of its time. And uh, via, via some form of video conference. And uh, the vision congratulates the wackos on a job well done. And um, we end the issue with Hawkeye basically, uh, you know, capping the celebration with the new uh, core group of West Coast Avengers with once an Avenger, always an Avenger. So it's a pretty interesting. Uh, the issue ends with the saga of the West Coast Avengers is just beginning. For their further adventure, see Avengers number 250 on sale in two weeks. I believe I I bought Avengers 250 or came into possession of Avengers 250 almost in real time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought it was cool that there was a West Coast Avengers team. I did not uh, read this miniseries in real time, though, so it was all pretty new to me. Yeah, see, and whereas I, being an Avengers fan and collecting, you know, pretty much anything Avengers, uh, was definitely reading the main Avengers book. And when this came out, I was like, oh, yep, I got to get this. So I was definitely reading this in real time. But yeah, that is it, folks, for the, the for the West Coast Avengers uh, miniseries uh, synopsis. Uh, and I, I don't know, going back on what you're saying is like as them being underpowered. Like, I get what you're saying. But uh, some like this is team was kind of known as the also rans, the you know the, uh, the the second group, the secondary group, the uh, the B team basically. And I don't know they, they as power ratings go as far as the Avengers team, like they they were fairly balanced out as much as any Avengers team was going to be outside of like the the Cookie Quartet because that was right. a team that was pretty much like no one had, well, you had two mutants, you had uh, Cap and Hawkeye. So two people without powers and two mutants that had, you know, questionable, you know, well, not even questionable, but, you know, the most powerful member of that team was basically uh, Scarlet Witch at the time, and she wasn't even fully into her powers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the The way her powers were depicted at that time were very, very different from what we know now. But, so you know. and how they evolved over time. So you are re- absolutely right. I think that is probably the you know the, the the definition of an underpowered Avengers team. But obviously, Cap made it work. Yeah, indeed, and obviously the writing also made it work because they you know they dealt with you know <laughs> they 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 made the, the villains at the time suitable to what the team is, and that's kind of how it was. Exactly. Except for now, exactly. obviously, you know, some would say that this team probably would you know would not fare square up on. Graviton, all that well. But you had Iron Man and Wonder Man, two powerhouses. Then, you, of course, you had, you know, uh, Hawkeye and uh, Mockingbird and, you know, Tigra. Wow, who has powers? But, you know, you know, from there it kind of goes like, okay, yeah, you got Iron Man and Wonder Man, who's the two most powerful. Then you got Tigra, who's probably, who was more powerful than Hawkeye and Mockingbird, but <laughs> not as, nowhere near the, you know, not nowhere near Iron Man There's and um, big, Wonder Man. Yeah, I was about to say- pretty big gap right between yes. the top two and then of course and you the got Hawkeye and, you know who are good at what they go do but you, mm-hmm. know, but you know they are just good at what they do so and that's kind of how an Avengers team ends up playing out anyway because it's like there's a lot of times even with you know um, uh, versions of the team with any of these people minus Mockingbird on any given team 
it's, it was right. kind of going to be like that. Because all of the, everybody, with the exception of Mike and Burt, was on a team. Well, I guess with the exception of Jim Rhodes, but that's beside the point because mm-hmm. Iron Man was there. There was an Iron mm-hmm. Man present. You know, there is some variation in the power level, the quote unquote power level of the of the whole team. But right. this one's kind so, of nice, and, they, said, and they only have five just, uh, five folks. You know, anyway. I was I was going to add that. Um, you know, and, and of course, uh, you know, Roger Stern wrote the story so that they would figure out a way to get to Graviton mm-hmm. uh, with a slightly underpowered roster. Um, I, I, I definitely uh, understand that the search for a sixth member stretches well into the first two years of this of the follow up book. Yep. Into the ongoing series. Yeah, it definitely does. In fact, um Going into the first arc, uh, the first five or six issues of the uh, book, the thing was around because he had moved, coming back from Secret Wars uh, later than everybody else did. Um, right. You know, ended up on the West Coast. And I believe this is when he was in the, who uh, was wrestling. Or was this before or after that? I can't remember. Uh, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't, don't remember either. But regardless, he went out west because She-Hulk was on the Fantastic Four, and they didn't, you know. And I don't think I don't even think he even told them yet that he was back or whatever. I don't remember how that one played out. But regardless, he came back from Battle World, came out west. So the so Hawkeye was like, "Yo, we need another big man on the team." So you know, um, how about you hang out with us and and see what and see what's up, you know? And because and at this point, Hawkeye was like, "Yeah, if we can just get a six member and get like a you know." A big power force will be, you know, will be, will be felt like we were, uh, you know, we won't be seen as the 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 also rans the B team anymore. We'll be like, you know, we'll be as good as the other the the the, the East Coast branch of the Avengers and maybe even better or something like that. So, going into the ongoing series, that's kind of what uh, Hawkeye's mo was on. But yeah, they definitely was looking for a six member and actually ended up adding, well. They didn't necessarily add a six member. Well, they did end up adding a six member, and some folks came and go, and there was also some reverse reservists kind of came and went, and even Moonlight popped in for a little bit. So, mm-hmm. uh, who we talked about last week in, in the Avengers proper book, but, right? Uh, but yeah, again, like I said I love the West Coast Avengers. This is where pretty much where that all started, and they kind of weaved in and out. They did definitely did weave in and out of the main Avengers book around this time. And again, there were also, uh, when they started having annuals, they kind of weaved the annuals together because, you know, you had the East Coast and West Coast team. Why not have them do some stuff together, including a nice two-parter where they were on all on the run after uh, a baseball uh, game and one of their own betrayed them, you know. There you go. There you go. But so, so yeah, thoughts. It's, say again? Thoughts. On this, uh, on this whole miniseries, thoughts. Oh, my thoughts. Yes. Uh, let's see. Um, I can understand why I didn't necessarily gravitate to this because I probably did see it as the Avengers B team. Mm-hmm. At this time, I don't recall exactly what I was focused on collecting, although I was a little on the young side. So I definitely was picking up the I was doing my best to pick up the uh, the original Secret Wars books. I was probably still trying to read G.I. Joe and Transformers and taking a look at uh, Uncanny X-Men here and there, Spidey here and there, Avengers here and there, Hulk here and there. 
Thor here and there. Right. I didn't, I, I, a lot of my comic book runs I collected later on as back issues um, you know, that I completed, like Thor. Mm-hmm. I definitely did not complete Thor in real time, but I've read some of it in real time, enough of it to be like, this is one of the first things on my list to go back and buy. You know? So, um, so I definitely was uh, all over the place when it comes to, um, to, to not collect, well, I guess collecting, because my reading habits had not yet been fully materialized and my money sources had not fully materialized and would not fully materialize for several more years. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that, that's, you know, I can understand why I didn't necessarily gravitate to this. So this was a pleasure to read up front. I definitely got to learn a lot about the uh, team dynamics that I had some exposure to in later issues of the regular series, the regular uh, ongoing series, um, you know, such as uh, Hawkeye's uh, Hawkeye's um, brand of leadership is always, you know, need to try to one up, uh, the East Coast branch, especially whoever was acting as chairman and especially Captain America to try to prove that he was worthy of being a, a, a chairman and leader of an Avengers group. We also get um, a refresher on Wonder Man. And I had no idea that they had had to do this in the pages of West Coast Avengers, the uh, miniseries proper. And I guess I had just, you know, and we've talked about this before. I'm a student of the Ohatmo, you know, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. But there's only so many entries you can read and sort of commit to memory. Marvel, uh, you know, Marvel did a great job with that. And with Wonder Man being, you know, somewhat on uh, uh, steadier ground in terms of his exposure, being part of a regular team book. You know, you would think that, um, you know, uh, his name, you know, that uh, that the people wouldn't would remember his um, the, the main parts of his uh, origin story more readily. But you know what? They had to rehash it. They had to recap it here for anyone new to the character. You know, they even had to do with Tigra, you know, because I guess the developments for her didn't necessarily happen in the regular pages of um, Marvel ongoing comics. I don't know if Chiller was a monthly book or if it was like bi-monthly, you know, because I know that they, you know, those things were, you know, a little iffy around that time. Um, if I remember correctly, so when Chiller, I think, came out in like, I want to say Chiller came out in late se- late 70s. I Don't quote me on that one. I feel like that came out in like late 70s uh, right. because um, because she was also who ended up being, Hell- well, she was Hellcat first. And there's right. a matter of fact, there's a story on that 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 plays out in um, down the line in the West Coast Adventures ongoing. But she was Hellcat mm-hmm. first, and then this, and then she ended up became becoming Tiger. And I believe that all that plays out in Marvel Chiller, and I think that's from like the seventies. And then she ends up on the Avengers, and then you know, and like what I was going to say was that like Tigra and Wonder Man you know, not being a part of a team book in a while, like yeah, they kind of had to because they hadn't been a part of Avengers in a good minute. So for mm-hmm. those who weren't actually a longtime reader of Avengers, they kind of needed that because they'd have been like, okay, well, who are these other people who, you know, they, they say they're Avengers, but if you're just coming into it, sure, then you would need to, 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 to get a little catch up on them. And obviously there was always, there's been an Iron Man and, you know, Hawkeye and has been around for a minute now. And also don't the other part, you wouldn't have known that Hawkeye and Mockingbird got married because of Hawkeye's, you know, 
miniseries from the year prior to this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. stuff like that, they, they kind of actually they didn't do that much for. Um, I guess they assumed that people kind of knew that. Well, okay, where well, they're married and they're new mar- newly married, and you know they don't really address. I mean, the, yeah, I was about to say that's something that they can just address in like a couple of lines. Be like, you know what? Go look at that miniseries. Yeah, which uh-huh. I don't think they did, but they basically said, yeah, okay, they're married. Boom, there you go. Keep pushing. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, that's what I found interesting about uh, about this miniseries that I found valuable about reading is like, oh, that you know that really uh, that really led to some um, some some development for Wonder Man. You know, it seems like he was the character. He seemed to be the character that a lot of the character development was based around, at least in the first uh, couple. And, and, and I cheated a little bit by reading the first two issues of the ongoing after I finished this, mm-hmm. just to see where, where the, the story ended up going. And it seems like that, at least early on in the ongoing run, Wonder Man seemed to be a little bit of a focus of the um, the stories, so that was uh, you know it was it was uh, it was interesting to read. I'll tell you that much. This was something were it not for, and again, we're not shilling, or I'm not shilling for Marvel Unlimited. But if if it were not for this, this would have been a pain in the neck to try to you know source that you know source out, um, you know, trying to find uh, you know back issues or a trade paperback of this. You know, we're not going to talk about illegal ways of getting him, but. Uh, you know, it was a, this is such a, a valuable resource for for looking up history in the Marvel universe, and you know, it was a, it, this was definitely a, a walk down memory memory lane for someone who read stuff that was on the periphery of West Coast Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, Thor like, and Avengers. So right, yeah, um, and actually, even around that time, I was kind of doing a similar thing like just like you said earlier with the, the G.I. Joe to Transformers but I was mainly like Transformers I mean excuse me uh, yeah it was was definitely Transformers and G.I. Joe but also mainly Avengers and Religious Raid and stuff like I think I read a little bit of Cap but I didn't really collect them like regularly regularly Iron Man definitely was a collect uh, like Hulk and Thor wasn't really on that list unless it was like a, a crossover mm-hmm. or something happening but it was like mainly I mean, Avengers and then I was about to say this was, uh, this was Mark Grunwald um, uh, writing cap at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we hadn't gotten to John Walker yet, but this was Mark Runwald writing cap, I think. Um, but this is Mike Zek doing art, and that's what made me buy cap books because Zek's covers were crazy. And obviously, you know, going back to Secret Wars that Zek did a lot of the art on, yeah, you could tell that he's in a rush. You can tell he's not really the guy to do a team book. That would have been a George Perez uh, masterpiece if he hadn't gotten on the outs with Marvel and moved to DC, you know, by this point. Right. You know, that would have been a dream job to see Perez draw uh, Secret Wars. They would have sold so many toys if that had been the case. But, uh, (laughs) But, yeah, this was definitely... Definitely, um, at least for me, a nice, uh, 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 nice walk down memory lane that was very informative, and it was definitely a learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. My my thoughts on the on the wackos are, are very much out there, and it will continue to be out there. So I won't. There's not really much else I need to say except for I still continue to love the wackos. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. That's um, cool. Uh, I guess is I don't know clicks of the week. I guess. For, I don't know, this was kind for, of a hard one to do. 
I think I'm going to go with issue four because I really like the plan they put together. Yeah. It really, you know, it really was a way for Roger Stern, the writer, to give us a lesson in how teamwork can make the dream work and take down, you know, one of these, um, you know, one of these really, you know, overly powered super bads. Right. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's where OP comes from. Yes, indeed. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would kind of agree with that. And actually, if you think about it, um, like the whole arc, the whole four issue thing it, it is pretty much reads like um, if you watch like the beginning arc of say like Avengers, um, Earth Mightiest Heroes, or actually, yeah, I guess that's probably the best example because actually, now that I think about it, Graviton was in the first couple of episodes of that. Um, so they kind of fit. So it's basically the team kind of coming together, uh, kind of not really sure about themselves, but just but at the end of it, it's like okay, now they got this plan. They kind of come. To, granted, comes together a little bit differently because obviously that's a you know it was a different team and different slightly different dynamic. But nevertheless, the same thing happens. Like even at going into the end of it, it's like yeah, we're like we are the Avengers. We can do this kind of kind of thing. Kind of comes out in, at the end of it. Of um, the, like the first couple of episodes of uh, Avengers in Rage, and that kind of stuff kind of happens in like uh, animated series where there's a team dynamic or something like that. So you kind of see this more in, in that now, if you if you think about it. And this kind of reads like that, and that's why I, I was kind of appreciative of how it ended. And again, I, I just love the wacko wackos. <laughs> I'd like to just add that uh, it was refreshing to see, and this is uh, something that I guess we all sort of grew up on. Shout out to um, shout out to the original Cold Slither podcast crew for that one. It's something you grew up on. We grew up on uh, Avengers characters constantly talking about the information stored in the Avengers files. This is something that is more common in the Avengers books more so than even in the Fantastic Four, more so than even in the X-Men. All of these supergroups were portrayed as having kept, uh, as the Terminator T-800 would put it, detailed files about uh, some of their um, past experiences with um, supervillains and previous encounters by other super people with these super villains to try to, you know, create a, um, a database of, um, information on, uh, the super villain characters so that they would be able to quickly access, you know, what happened, how they were beaten and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it was refreshing to see that in these issues. Yeah. They, and they, and they even cross reference with each other. Cause there's always, there's especially around this time, there was always reference. Of, oh yeah. The fantastic four, um, you know, fought X, Y, and Z. So let's cross reference or they actually talk to somebody who's like, oh yeah, well, I can send you those files. But then like at some point they had them all cross reference to kind of cut out some of that. And like, oh yeah, well I'll just cross references with shield stuff also. So they always mm-hmm. have the files there and it's like, oh yeah, well, let's pull that up and bada, bada, bada. Yep. Yeah. 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 Oh, yep, there was a time and where that felt like the coolest thing. Like, oh wow. They're, they have their computers connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh snap. Yeah, it was like, or it's either that because I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's like Marvel Team Up was also going on around this time. Also, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, we, me and X, me and Spidey, or me and the, you know, the thing went up against X, Y, and Z, 
you know, around this time. So, you know, and that's in the files or something else like that, you know, what happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's like, yeah, look at all this uh, connectivity going on in this thing. It was, it was really cool to see. So, yeah, little did we know, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Um, you know, now they'll be like, they'll be like, wait a second, let me check my phone. <laughs> yeah, really, really. In fact, I'm pretty sure I feel like there's a, there's an issue of like Mar- miles or somebody like that who probably actually did something like that recently or probably back Seriously. in the champions days or something, you know, not the champions days, not like that. That was that long ago, but so, um, but yeah, you got any other final thoughts on this before we were seeing this on home? No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Cool, cool. Cool bean. Yeah, that's it. This is, this has been, you know, the, like I said, I, I love this. I, I love doing this. I love reading this again. Like, I, I can't say I've read it in a minute, um, but, yeah. uh, or, or at least some part of West Coast Avengers I would have read, you know, on, on some sort of basis. But yeah. uh, it, it's, it's always a joy to come, come into because I love the White House. Anyway. Um, we're going to round this out with an ad read. Oh, I didn't say I'm, I'm going to, I was basically going on with you on, uh, issue four as my click of the week also. Oh, there you go. Uh, just before I read the last ad for the night, I just wanted to tease next week with some luck. And when I say some luck, I'm relying on the wacky. And obviously we, I've joked about this before about the wacky, delivery schedule that we have gotten from Amazon and other online retailers as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Hopefully I'm able to get some flight stands for action figures delivered to me in time for me to show off a new display when I am at home in my home office on next week's episode. So, Stay tuned. Tune in to next week's Comic Book Chronicles to see the unveiling. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to unveil it. It's just going to be over my shoulder or I'll turn off the virtual background to show it off. So I'll have a new uh, figure display slash diorama. So uh, tune in next week. Our last ad read of the night is for... Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. The people who I was just decrying, I was just um, complaining about their delivery schedule. Visit cspn.us and then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or action figure flight stands. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we come to another exciting, the end of another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles, I'd like to thank each and every one of you folk for coming out. Uh, next week, I think we'll be back to new releases again, because it's like there's going to be enough for us to do. Yes. Uh, and with that, I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on uh, Twitter. You can also find me at News and Need on Twitter. You can also find me at uh, CPCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. 
PC underscore dirt on Twitter, uh, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com, and all the umbrella sites they're in. And also the Vine Alternative Byte, B Y T E, under comic reviews, no vowels. Tim, D O G G 98 on Twitter, comic, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account. Go say, say, hey, we like the show. Hey, we don't like the show, except for don't say that. Be nice, um, but hey, if you got questions or anything, hey, you can also you know add that, and we'll, we'll get around to you. If it's also, healthy criticism, we will listen and take it under advisement. There we go, exactly. Um, CB Cron, like I said, on Twitter, uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, the K L I Q N A T I O N, theclicknation.com, and also Tim can be found over at Comic Book Resources, where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Cold Slither Podcast Network, CSPN.us. Do it today. You'll be joining us soon, 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 soon. Also, like I said, continue to check out uh, the Hasbro. Hopefully, they'll put on the Cold Slither uh, show on their uh, Hasbro's YouTube channel. I've been enjoying watching those things, even though I got the full set of G.I. Joe uh, DVDs like right here next to me. Anyway, um... You can also find this here podcast, and that is not a sponsor. Also, uh, we do not sponsor. We're not getting sponsored by Hasbro. We're not getting sponsored by GI Joe or Marvel Unlimited at all. Just, just put that out there. You can also find this here podcast on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, and the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Um. That's it, folks. We'll we'll be back next week when we record on Thursday nights, 9.30-ish p.m. We got a little late start tonight, but, you know, uh, the audio will come out on the places we just mentioned. And I'm putting my head back like I got some kind of physical thing that y'all can see. I don't know why. But regardless, uh, Thursday night, 9.30 p.m., the Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel where we record. Come check us out and watch the videos there or watch or listen to the audio or listen to the videos later at some date at your at your perusal. This has been the Comfort Chronicles. Peace, one. Peace. I love it when the plan comes together. <laughs> Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it? it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? <laughs>